This episode is supported by Tahoe Lab Snowboards. At Tahoe Lab, they handcraft their split and solid boards in small batches using a bamboo core in two different constructions, traditional and phantom. The traditional construction uses two full sheets of carbon fiber and two sheets of triaxial fiberglass to create a bomber board that can take years of abuse. The phantom construction uses four layers of aerospace-grade carbon fiber to create the lightest, most responsive board possible. Anyone that enjoys long tours knows that the weight of the board has a huge effect on the amount of energy required to achieve your objective. Tahoe Lab boards feature a DuraSurf centered base to hold more wax to keep you gliding smoothly. Go to www.taholab.com and use the code DS15 at checkout for 15% off your board purchase. I'm on top of... uh Pretty heavy line right here, a little couloir. Let's gonna see how it goes. Wish me luck. And that would play in as pure luck on both you know for me especially because when it popped off we were like whatever 60 70 yards from each other hey everybody welcome to episode 39 of dark starts your backcountry splitboarding podcast this time we had the pleasure of chatting with one super rad dude next big mountain competitor and jones ambassador gareth van dyke out of colorado so grab a cold one and let's drop in with Gareth. Let's drop in with Gareth Van Dyke, former Big Mountain competitor and currently Jones Ambassador. So Gareth, how did it feel to go pow, or pow surfing last like a few days ago or a few weeks ago? What was it? Uh, we We got a little... Storm a couple days ago, oh, yeah, so right. yeah, maybe like four or five days ago. Nice. Um, yeah, it's kind of how I like to start my season. Um, so, you know, I started getting into the the power surfing stuff maybe like uh, I don't know in the last ten plus years, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a nice way to get into it because most people are you're not going to go take your snowboard and all that gear to go try and you know ride like you know you know. Gr- grassy type, you know. <clears throat> Beat the snot on the base of that thing with rocks and wood and whatever else you're gonna hit, right? Well, I figure if I'm gonna hit stuff, I'd rather just like fly away from it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Push that boat um, away. No, it's I don't know. It's just it's just kind of like you know, it's, you, you get some pretty amazing uh, sensations from it, just not being connected and. You know, like you're not, um, by not being connected, you're, you're more connected. So many different to me. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, yeah. you know, other people might be chasing some other stuff with, uh, with their gear and stuff that, you know, cause our, our back country here gets a lot more snow than where I'm at on the mountain. So I'll just go on the backside of the actual mountain, which is like five minute drive and, you know, take the surfer and just go hike around and nice. 
Um, yeah, nice. pretty fun. I'm looking forward to that too when I get my my grassroots pouser for probably next season. So I want to say nice. thanks, dude. Thanks for taking the time and talk with us today. You know, life is getting really chaotic and things really bizarre these days. But thanks so much for taking the time and chatting with us and do a little deep yeah. dive, little deep dive into who Gareth is and your past. And we got some inf- inf- interesting <laughs> things to talk about from other past previous guests that know you. So let's uh, let's get this thing. Oh, geez. Up. Let's dig <laughs> in. Let's dig in. Get, get those shovels in. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get them shovels out. So hey Gareth, you're from you're from New Mexico, is that right? Um, I spent most of my childhood, like later childhood, into teens in New Mexico. So my formative years, or whatever you'd want to call them. <laughs> Where were you born? So I gotta let my cat out right now. Get out! Oh Go yeah, on, buddy. do that. <laughs> Get that cat out of there. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. You said where was I born? Yeah, where where you hail from? Uh, so I actually was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Go Packers! No, Even I'm not. Way. I'm not really a huge football fan, but you know, by default, that's the cheeseheads, right? That is the cheeseheads, cheese man. Cheese totally. <laughs> yeah, um, I was born there, and then I spent like to like uh, age of five. Uh, lived around Madison, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, the Isthmus. Uh, in a small town called McFarland, right outside of Madison. I don't know, like maybe a half hour outside of Madison. Okay, I've been to really? Madison before, but I don't, I don't remember ever seeing McFarland. You've been all over the USA. I've been around <laughs> the world. Well, I've been around the world. I've been around the world, but I haven't been much around the US. Anything four hours from Toronto is. Yeah, you don't want to be in the US right now, now with the with the Rona. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the funny thing is that scuba diving took me to Madison, Wisconsin. Go figure, man. <laughs> oh, I've heard about the scuba diving stuff uh, yeah, over yeah. a couple of your yeah. podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for uh, like an equipment manufacturer in the scuba diving world. And um, yeah, we had a store in Madison, Wisconsin and a rep. One of oh, our really? reps was in Madison. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Go There's figure. a lot of lakes you can go practice in. Entirely. Around Ma- yeah, the Midwest. <laughs> the it's great. funny, man. The Midwest is huge for scuba diving because uh, Lake Michigan's gigantic for it, man. Lots right. of shipwrecks. Lots of stuff down there to go see. Oh, yeah. And, never, never really thought about that. Yeah. And um, and the waters. Well, I don't know. This is going back some time, but um, there's this organism that made its way into the lakes in the Midwest and, and even on the East Coast called the... Uh, the zebra mussel. Oh yes, so it was a it was mollusk. In that, as well, it came into the St. Lawrence Seaway from you Ships. know freighters and tankers and stuff like that coming uh-huh. into the seaway, and then it what what ends up happening is like the little larvae and stuff make it into people's equipment, and then they go and dive in other lakes and they transfer it there, and then this little mussel would just proliferate and take over like crazy. So it was great for visibility for scuba divers because they're a filter feeder. So they would clean up all the shit out of the water and it would make the visibility like crystal clear. You could see forever. Wow, interesting. Downside to it is it killed the ecosystem from the bottom up. <laughs> so it's like so it was a it was definitely a blight, if you will, but mm. um but it's uh it's come around. I think there's less right. zebra mussels nowadays, if I'm correct. But anyways, we're not here to talk about scuba diving, man. We're here to oh, talk about Come on, about I was snowboard. really getting into the zebra mussels. <laughs> Look them up, man. Look them up. They do they were great for scuba divers and bad for scuba divers at the same time. It's That's crazy awesome. world. <laughs> so give us a little bit of a history of where 
Gareth started snowboarding and there's like, wait, there's some Africa so, there's some Africa in your past too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's kinda like uh, yeah, I don't talk about that too much, but yeah, I guess I can get into that. <laughs> oh, we sure. don't have to. Um, Let's get a little bit well, of it. So I guess going from where I was uh, in Wisconsin up to the age of five, um, <clears throat> I had Peace Corps volunteer parents, mm. if you know what the Peace Corps is, but, uh, you know, they uh, actually met each other over in Africa, of all places, in their 20s. They are both on, like, uh, working for the Peace Corps in the late 60s, but... Um, yeah, they had us, you know, after traveling the world and came back to the U.S. And uh, I, by the way, I have a twin brother. That's why I said us. His name is Nick, if you're listening. Yo, bro. Yo, bro. But, um, to Nick. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're fraternal twins, not identical. But, um, yeah, at the age of five, my parents just decided to freak out their families and be like, you know, they'd already done it, you know, before when they went in their, you know, early 20s to Africa and, did what they did out there being Peace Corps volunteers. But, uh, they said, Hey, we're, uh, kids are five. Now we're taking them to Africa. Um, <laughs> hope you guys don't mind. It'd be a little hard to communicate with them. You know, it's 19, 19, late 1970s. But, um, yeah, so they dragged us over there to, uh, West Africa. Oh, wow. So, um, it's French speaking West Africa. So it was, uh, correct. In the, the French took over there. Like a Parisian French from France style. Well, African French is, the best way to compare it would be like uh, Jamaican English. Yeah. You know, kind of patois style. Yeah, so, yeah. But so got, actually got, we... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, we, you know, we learned French by default because we're five-year-old kids and we, uh, first place we went to was a country called Burkina Faso. It's actually, or... Oh, yeah. Now it's... It was called Upper Volta. Now it's Burkina Faso. Anyways, um, this little village, like, I don't know how many hours, many, maybe five, six hours from the, the capital city of the country. But, I mean, we're in, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> quite a quite a whole other world going back to that. But and you're just going to imagine five-year-old kids and you're thrown into this whole other world. I mean, we're talking people that, you know, believe in scarification and filing filing their teeth down oh, wow. um to uh you know that's just part of their their culture and and stuff like that so you know when you're five-year-old and you're looking up at these you know africans with scars and you know i mean it, it's people that have nothing you know so <clears throat> you at at the age of five you're you know you're not conditioned yet in that sense. And, uh, you know, seeing that kind of poverty and stuff really sticks in your head. So it was quite bonding for my brother and I, but anyways, um, yeah, we did a couple tours, I'll call it a couple <laughs> African tours yeah. until we were about, uh, 12, but at the age of 10 ish, we moved back to, uh, the U S and actually moved to New Mexico. So that's where the whole snow part will come in here. Uh, we moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And, um, you know, they have Santa Fe Ski Basin um, in the mountains there. And, you know, they're actually, a lot of people don't realize there's, you know, Santa Fe Ski Basin is the second highest base elevation after a basin in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's way south, you know. So um, when the storms come, as long as the storms come, 
you know, they get snow there, but, uh, yeah, we didn't know anything about snow, you know? So it just kind of, it was, a something, uh, a, a interest, you know, we kind of started seeing kids, you know, talking about, you know, the ski world and, you know, we, I think we started skiing maybe like that first year we moved out there and, um, yeah, that's kind of how it began. But, um, yeah, um, so, this was, so that, that would have been when 1990, 10 this, years old. No, so. no, no, this is, uh, we're going in the eighties. This like when, uh, we started skiing would have been like those early eighties, you know, like 80, I don't know, maybe 84 or somewhere around there. And then, uh, <clears throat> New Mexico also is, uh, you know, you think when the snowboard stuff started coming in, um, right. It was one of the last places to get get <laughs> snowboards, you know, because you, you can imagine it just, um, you know, it's come from California and then it went to Colorado and then it kind of fused down to New Mexico eventually. But we saw it at a, uh, there's a bike and skate shop called Rob and Charlie's that uh, had like the first two snowboards. Mm-hmm. And that was like maybe 86 or something. And, the um, brand? Was, it, was Kemper around then? Uh, it was for sure Burton. Uh, sure. Probably the Burton Performer, I'd say. Yeah. Someone like that. It was after, you know, the the fins were off and, uh, you know, the bindings, they yeah. had high backs, the rigid high backs. Yeah, yeah. Era. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I remember the Kemper ones like that. I just seen someone uh, let me see the new Kemper like, Kemper's got new boards coming out this year. They got a split as well. And all I can think about is those big, crazy, huge high backs from the, the 80s that Kemper used to have. And you couldn't even move in those things, man. They'd cup your, right. they'd cup your uh, whole Sorel boot up for you. And, yeah. well, I remember Ganoos, too. I remember one kid had a, a Ganoo, and we call them Canoes. Sorry, Ganoos. <laughs> um, they're big and kind of heavy, and uh, they went fast, though. Oh. They're they're like uh, ironing boards, right? But I mean, I mean, the Burtons weren't much better. I mean, you know, no, everything was, but everything had that, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it? the the side rocker? You know, oh. like it was beveled, yeah. like they, you know, they didn't, let's they didn't make understand it harder. That. Yeah, they didn't understand. They're like let's bevel it, so let's make it harder to rock onto your edge. You know, well, it's from the surfing um, technology, right? People are thinking yeah, about right. surfing that you're gonna get in the pow, you're not gonna get on any groomers because we weren't right. really allowed on the groomers back then. So, but uh, well, you know, Burton. I mean, they came from the east. You think they they would have known better? But um, no, I mean, those were the cave, those were the caveman days of snowboarding, oh, yeah, right? Dude. Those, but they were also the the glory years. You know, that was. Uh, yeah, that was a fun time. But yeah, my brother and I, I think what happened is one of us, we, we both, we had, you know, got summer jobs and, uh, saved up. And our parents were like, all right, you know, get, you gotta get, if you want that snowboard, you gotta get it yourselves. And so we divvied in our money, bought one, and then <clears throat> we'd go up to the ski base and one of us would be skiing, the other one would be snowboarding. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then we'd get like trade off, you know. The others, you know, like that's why you were still the same kind of height because you said earlier that your brother got bigger than you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was before puberty. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so actually, I just just remembered uh, being on a chairlift and 
either he was in skis and or I was on skis and the other was on the snowboard. And uh, I'm pretty sure one of us, one or was jealous of the other with the, the snowboard, you know, just wanting it. Uh, we got a huge fist fight on the chairlift. On the, the chairlift. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the chairlift. Over who was going to, you know, give me the damn snowboard. I paid for half of it. It's my turn, you know, kind of. <laughs> so I think after that fight, I think we like, I think our, our, our folks or something happened where they're like, oh, we got to get these guys their own snowboards. Looks like that's what they, they want to do. Well, just get rid of those skis and swap them out for a board. Well, now. you know, considering the fact <laughs> that you guys have partnered up your own money to get one, which is huge. Yeah. Like your parents should have been like, hey, you guys did that, so let's get you another one. But anyways, it's everybody's got different situations, but it's cool they did hook you up. Yeah, we we rolled with it. I, but uh I had like, you know, it was uh the uh, the ski boots, the rear entry ski boot era. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Back then it was pretty wild, you know, with and then uh, the day glow, day glow was coming in pretty hard too then. But this is uh in snowboarding, you know, this is uh Damien Sanders on the rise, like he was, uh, he was my, one of my, he was my hero back then, like straight up. And so like, because of the ski thing, going to the snowboard thing, I had these, uh, yellow rear entry Reikleys. And so I think when we got the other board, I remember somehow being sold. The guy at the shop was like, it was like a burden with some plate bindings. (laughs) and i was too cheap to like you know you couldn't really find snowboard boots back then so um i just was like okay i'll just use my rear entry ski boots because because does it and look what he he goes huge like you know i just like put a day glow like headband on i had my uh (laughs) yellow reikley and uh my brother meanwhile was like soft you know because you know it was a sorel thing Back then, I don't even know if they had like a no anything yet no. by then. But it was just a Sorel boot back then. I was the like, you, it was like get your ski boot liner and yeah. put it, you know, put it in the the snowboard boot, and you're doing a lot better than everyone else, you know. So he had that going, and he was like on the Sims. I would say that maybe like a switchblade or something, mm-hmm. and I was on the burden with the plate bindings, and he probably was like chuckling because like he was like you know. I was like East Coast and he was like West Coast style. Let's put it that way. Like he was like, you know, soft boot, Terry Kidwell, you know, whatever. He because he could huck threes before I could. Oh. I was always chafed about that. And um, I don't know if like the the hard boots was like kind of you know making it a little harder for me to to figure it out or what. But uh, but <laughs> so yeah, there's some old photos with me with the. Uh, the Reikley hard boots and the, the headbands. But yeah, Damien was my hero, you know. But I didn't know that he did all these custom cutouts and, you oh, know, stuff with his punch, boots. Punched them and made them you softer, know? yeah. I mean, so he could tweak and, you know, because he was, you know, I didn't know any better. I'm like a, you know, 14 year old kid. Like, why can't I tweak it? Like, he's <laughs> like, oh, I'll just, I'll keep the buckles less, you know. Yeah, they were keep them un- un- unbuckled, and maybe I can tweak them. Yeah, you know? no one was giving but. us the goods of what was going on in the back because there was barely any magazines back then. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was the beginnings of. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say, like, not even Transworld or ISM. Maybe was the f- pre-Transworld. I don't think Snowboarder had started yet. No. 
but I, I, I mean, um, I don't know. I just I learned it from Thrasher. I think it was Thrasher who put some snowboarding things in there. And yeah, well, uh, what's Caballero yeah. had like his, uh, you know, which is basically kind of like a snow skate, really the the whatever that was called. Yeah. You know, the elevated yellow Lonnie Toft model. That's what it was. Oh. The yellow, like, you know, plastic thing underneath the, like, skate deck that had, the, like, little strap binding things on them. That, Fuck, I don't even that's, remember that. That's crazy. That was, like, early 80s. Oh, but, that's uh, why. I only got into it in 88, so it's tough. Though. And I think that's how Thrasher started. That was, like, yeah. when it was, like, a legit pro was, like, you know, I, I heard, like, on uh, some podcast where, Someone's talking about that, referring to Caballero and how um, th- that's possibly one of the reasons why they started, like, you know, throwing in some snowboard er- early stuff in Thrasher because of, uh, you know, Caballero, maybe some other skaters. Yeah, that guy's still rad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going on timeline? Yeah, keep going. Uh, yeah, what? Uh, so, I mean, you had the hard boots, and your brother had the soft boots. So, <laughs> East Coast, West Coast. When, who? Uh, how did competitions ever come along for you? Like, did, was that something that uh, you guys entered together? Uh, did your brother start that? Did... No. So, I want to say there was like one, maybe like in like uh, after we'd been snowboarding, like maybe year, two years. Um, I was maybe like I don't know junior in high school they had the first ever like wannabe half pipe you know <laughs> competition um it was like a big deal i remember because i mean we were like you know this is new mexico i mean i don't even know how like, you could count the snowboards on your your thing you know like in the barely double digits on our mountain you know um you know you knew everyone and um so when they announced they were having this competition, it was kind of like, oh, man, I got to practice some shit, you know, because, <laughs> uh, like, we'd, you know, you'd, you'd see that it was all just, like, seen in the magazines. If you, you know, got a magazine, like, oh, there's, I think, all the half, but, you know, like the skateboard thing, you know, they make the, they make the, push the walls up, and it's, you know, so, you know, you got these, like, backwards New Mexicans up there to scare, like, oh, I know how to make a half pipe. <laughs> these cat drivers like probably like you know half drunk up there like yeah i'll make a half pipe and uh you know they just push his mouths together it's just like you know if you've seen the old oh yeah old <laughs> um i remember just, you know wall hit so it's like you know i don't know what it was but uh i do remember that i was pretty pumped up and my my dad was like uh he he got the video camera out and he actually came up there and videoed this uh, contest. And my brother, for some reason, I don't even think he did it. I don't think he was down. I think I was all about. It. I'm going to enter that contest. I'll try it, you know. And uh, uh, he took a back seat to that. Um, but yeah, that that footage, I don't know, it's lost somewhere. But yeah, so that was that was kind of like uh, maybe my ambitions of the competition thing but that was just like a little thing i don't even i don't know what i got middle of the pack or something um you, you know your, it was a good get your feet wet at least yeah it was it was a good time and then um i want to say one of the kids that we snowboarded with somehow had gone up to colorado with his family for a little vacation and he had gone to 
mountain called Crested Butte. So he you know, he came back and I, he must have scored it with like some powder days or something. But the dude was just raving. You know, oh my, this that that place is so cool. Uh, you know, it's just totally different than here. The way you know, there's a whole different world of snowboarders up there. I don't know. You know, this is like teenagers in the '80s. You know, and um, so yeah, when it came to like uh, college, I was like, all right, I guess we're gonna do the college thing we're getting pushed towards that and um i uh i was just dead dead set on okay i'm i'm going to college but really i'm just looking for the closest college to the coolest ski area i can go to and continue this addiction you know yeah (laughs) that was the guys and i think i went to there's like a college fair and lo and behold western state college they're sitting there there's the guy trying to you know whatever the guy at the at the the desk for the uh western state you know um sitting there and i got, got all these photos and i'm just talking to me he's like oh yeah we'll get you in what, what's your what's your grade point average you know it's like oh, i don't know man i'm maybe, maybe i'm at a three you know b average or something he's oh we can get you a scholarship for that for sure i was like <laughs> okay man Sounds good. It's like his salesman, you know, because he's like, no, it's like, because I'm just talking to him about, the, I'm not even talking to him really about the college. <laughs> I'm just like, so what's going off this mountain up there? Oh, it's like, you know, a half hour drive. Oh, really? Huh. It's like, oh, it's got this much vert. Oh, you know. So, you know, we end up going, you know, going up there. We, we actually, I think my family, we drove up to Colorado and it was like, go look at, my brother was like, oh, maybe look at Boulder too. Mm. and so we did like a tour and i remember we came to western and you know it was in the summer or something but lo and behold we talked to the guy and he's like oh yeah we got you a freaking you know you got a b average we're giving you a a, you know half tuition scholarship for all you got to just just keep that b average and you can keep your your scholarship oh shit Um, so uh so then i was like okay i'm i guess i'm heading up to the Western State and Chris Butte and um, yeah, Boulder was way out of the question. We were, we were, you know, our family, we didn't have too much money, so it was like, oh, you can get, you can get pretty good deal. I think it was like under like, you know, t- under ten grand or something at the time for the year, maybe like seven grand. Plus, I was getting this uh, scholarship, so. Was the scholarship to yeah. like rent, like a place to stay and food or what? Uh, well, as a freshman, you got to you know you got the the dorm one year in the dorms, and then um, yeah, yeah, you had the uh, the cafeteria food um, that first food. year. Yeah, yeah. Forget you guys are. I don't know what 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 it's like in Canada. That's like kind of the U.S. model. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I never got. A, I didn't get a scholarship. No. <laughs> they didn't. Well, I have, mean, I, they didn't have scuba diving scholarships when I went to school. I, I, I thought Fuck. I was getting away with murder. Like I was like, what scholarship. I'm like the worst student ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll tell. I think honestly, my parents just like charmed this this academic dude so much. He's like, oh man, these these people are pretty cool. Let's just give this kid the scholarship. What do you think, guys? It's just. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, it was a college in Colorado. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, 
yeah, that's begun my adventures up here. And, um, yeah, then that was college life. Um, so you did a lot of writing in college. Did you attend much school? Oh, yeah. Phew, barely. Did you, did you maintain I mean, that B average? I was going to say this too, exactly. <laughs> oh, phew, that's, that's a sad story. But um, <laughs> I think I pulled three semesters. So I did the first year and then going into my second year, I was really – I've always been horrible at math. And um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I took this math class and um, – I, that that killed my scholarship. I, I got. I was like begging to try and get a. I needed like a D or something, <laughs> maybe a C to keep my. Because I, I was like, all my other classes are sort of okay, and I was like, you know, to get it to that three average, and I came just short, and that was like that was rough. Because actually, then all of a sudden, all my, you know, scholarship turned into loans. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and I got taken for a ride with the loan world but yeah um, join the club i was there but actually i use it to my advantage too let me say that um i just considered it like a sponsorship once in my head this is kind of what the heck i was thinking but uh you know i i uh i remember the first uh free ride competition starting so the, the i think one of the first ones ever started here in crested butte and I mean, this mountain's kind of known to be the bony, rocky mountain. You know, some people that have come here, a lot of times it's hard to hit it with perfect conditions. So people come out, you know, will come out and be like, that mountain's sick. It's steep, but God damn, it's rocky and bony, you know, and, you know, so, uh, it's a perfect place to train though. I'll tell you for the big mountain world in that sense. Because it can be pretty variable and stuff, but it has really steep, steep stuff and lots of cliffs and, you know, pillow lines and things that, uh, when these, uh, competitions started, I mean, if you just were a local here, you automatically had an advantage. I mean, it's home mountain, but also, you know, you, <clears throat> um, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent. What was I saying before? <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying before leading into this um, from Col- it was just <laughs> college. Scholar- your scholarship college, you have you ended up using like a um, used your scholarship money or your uh, loan money as like oh a yeah, yeah okay that's that's what I was leading into. Sorry, I was totally tangentizing out of it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, well, I did like one of the first competitions here, and then I did so so enough to like. Where I was like, oh, there's another one that's popping up down in Tahoe. I think that was like the second one they had. It was in Squaw Valley, All Mountain Extremes. Um, actually, Sean Farmer, if you've ever heard of him, he was oh, in that yeah. comp. Um, and Morgan LaFont, who was a pretty big name in the women's snowboard world. That's, both, yep. Both very interesting characters. Love them both. But um, yeah, so I, I took, uh, the loan money skipped school with like two dudes. One guy uh, had this, uh, what was it? Like a Hyundai, kind of like, you know, the Yugo is yeah. like oh, super yeah. little car. Was it, it was the like pony? Hyundai, Hyundai pony, the, the Hyundai, hatchback. Hyundai version of that. I can't, but uh, I mean, there's three of us and we're all like, you know, tall dudes 
cramming our shit into this tiny vehicle to go. None of us ever been to Tahoe, the West Coast. Um, and there's this giant storm just coming in towards Tahoe. Lo and behold, we don't, you know, just the timing of this contest. And, um, yeah, we're, we're ditching college. We're just like, we're We're ecstatic, you know, or I got money from this, you know, I just cashed out my like, you know, semester of, of loan money that to me is just like funny money (laughs) at that point. And, um, yeah, so that's just, uh, once I did that second comp, I mean, it literally like it was, that was like what changed my whole, opened my whole mind going to Tahoe and, uh, you know, it's so 12 feet in three days, Shit. maybe even, maybe even more like 13 plus at Kirkwood. I mean, it snowed so much. They closed Squaw Valley down literally like the baby chairs. Only ones were open now. Some guy died in the tree. Well, this is maybe 95. Um, yeah, some tourists died in a tree well during that storm. Uh, and so this contest got delayed. Uh, you ever heard of Shane McConkey? Oh yeah. yeah. So we just happened to be one of the guys that was with the skier happened to his roommate was Seth Morrison. If you've ever heard of Seth Morrison name dropping yeah. here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I've known Seth for a long time. Anyways, that that dude had a connection from Seth with Shane. He had like Shane's number somehow. And we get down to Tahoe and we get into like actually South Lake and the storm came in super moist, it's like pissing rain. And it's like a couple days, a day or two before this contest is supposed to start. We get like kind of like we're just chilling at this one friend of mine that I met maybe in one of the, 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 the actually earlier contests in Crested Butte maybe the year before or that year I can't remember so we're chilling this place I'm like man it's like torrential rain I never I didn't even know it like rained during the winter you know because I I come from New Mexico and Colorado where it's pretty dry elevation I'm just tripping out and the guy's like don't worry it's it's gonna be cold like you know it's coming in warm but it's gonna turn to snow here tonight and it's just gonna nuke, boys. And we were kind of depressed. And then I, I think we we went to sleep, crashed out on this like nasty, you know, floor, and woke up and we were just like, you know, stunned. It was like two, three feet building, and we're in this Hyundai with no chain. It's a front wheel drive, and we got to get over to North Lake to get to this contest or whatever the contest, uh, you know, opening day to check in and blah blah. And so we had to go get chains. Just turning a long story, but we end up. I mean, we don't know where the hell we're going. This is like you know you you have you don't have the internet, so it's like you have this map and directions from some guy. So and, and it's already just snowing. Like I want to say it's it's snowing like a foot every hour and a half. Like that's oh, how shit. intense the storm was. And we're just like trying to creep over to North Lake and. Uh, my buddy, we get to, to, uh, uh, Truckee or maybe it was, uh, Tahoe City. And my buddy, get, you know, gets a gas station, gets on the payphone. Cause we're just like, we don't know. We don't have anywhere to stay over. We don't, so he's like calls this number, Shane's number, just cold calls. And I don't even know if he had met him. He just like, Oh, friends with Seth. Well, <sighs> Shane McConkey of all people, nicest guy ever. He freaking 
invites us. He's staying at his mom's cabin. Uh, I think it's uh, over by Donner, Donner Lake at the time. And it was like a cabin that he was crashing in that like his, his mom's, but it was like the, I want to say the like electricity was off, but it had a wood stove. Cause he's like too cheap, cheap to pay electricity or something. <laughs> and he was like traveling all the time. Yeah. And you know, so we're, 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 we come into Shane's world. I, you know, and, uh, it's dumping and, you know, the guy is just, I don't even know how to explain that guy. He was just, just an amazingly funny, mischievous, just, <laughs> you know, the evil Knievel of this, the ski, you know, world. But he, uh, he ends up taking like this. We're pretty much just like cashed out at that uh, cabin, and finally the storm breaks, and I get to go, and <clears throat> I go with him, and Kent Kreitler shows up, who's another big name in ski world. It's just me, him, and Kreitler. I don't know what happened to my buddies, but I'm riding with them. We're going up to KT22, and I'm like the the snowboarder with these two guys. I don't realize they're like soon to be like legendary gnarly dudes the sport they're just taking me off shit blind and i'm just like holy crap but it was kind of cool because it was like got me totally in the zone for the comp and um anyways that that's my little you know story there with that that's that hooked me and uh yeah i was yeah, and i did all right i think i got ninth i just uh top 10 um and yeah just i think yeah, I don't know. Maybe sponsorship stuff started after that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So during those times, like you'd go ride these big mountains. <clears throat> it was resorts. Were you ever worried about sloughs, avalanches? <laughs> like, no, honestly, like we <laughs> no, did. Um, right? No one gave a shit. No, then. no. I mean, that was it was like an afterthought, I guess. You know, back then it was. You know, I mean, people would. <laughs> the stuff that people would get away with back then. I mean, yeah, just it, like in California, people get away with it even more. It's just a fairly stable snowpack, you know. That's the thing with Colorado here. Like, even if you're stupid, you couldn't be like, you, you still kind of like heard the stories from the old guard and, you know, the people that were like, you know, the few people that were backcountry type people, mm -hmm. like they were pretty much like the, the freaking hippie dudes, you know, that were the backcountry guys back then here, you know, not many snowboarders, all skier dudes, because, you know, you'd go like, what, you'd get some snowshoes and you're not going to keep up with any of the skiers in the backcountry here, but, no, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they would, you know, tell the stories or, or you know, there was stories of like, yeah, this three years ago, you know, this guy died, you know. We we definitely have had our our share fair share of uh, of deaths for such a small community in uh, Crested View. It's 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 a testament to how how dangerous it is in this area. So that would have been back in the <clears throat> when did you get really deeper into this would this would have been in the you know mid nineties yeah kind of so as far as backcountry delving into it you know they were doing those bigger people. contests too right back then they did like bigger mountain contests back yeah then. like I was. I was kind of like following the circuit. I mean, there right. wasn't like an organized, like now it's like the free ride world tour, right. you know, full organized, but this is like a mishmash of, you know, 
these one organizers would have like two or three comps here, and then, you know, someone would have their own individual comp over here, you know, and it was just kind of like chasing. It was kind of like, yeah, you're like, because it was like your, uh, your brigade of, 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 you know, people that once you did one of those comps, you, you're you were best crew. friends with these two. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah, you were competing against each other, but like doing big mountains, you line contests, it's, it's so on you. Like, I mean, cause it's, cause it's just this big, you know, this venue you're going down. And once you leave the start gate, you're just by yourself for a little while, you know, until you get to the bottom and there's a crowd. And whereas like, you know, if you think in the freestyle world, like they're kind of always involved in with, like, you know, like the half pipe or the, you know, yeah, slope style. Cheering you it, it on was, and stuff. Well, that yeah, there's, there's very, there's very few of you guys who had the balls to go and do that kind of stuff too. Right. So you guys were kind of an exclusive community in that sense. And so oh, total out, outcast, <clears throat> full outcast oh, yeah. in, the, well, in the snowboard yeah. world for sure. Like well, fully. I was going to lead into that. Cause I was like, you know, we, we've talked before and when I was working for Coosport back then, I used to, that's how I ever learned about Crested Butte was because of Paul Elkins, right? It was like... Oh, yeah. One of my good buddies. Exactly, right? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm doing this content. And here I am, this like pipe rat kid in my 20s. And I'm like... You're Sorry, doing- I'm letting my cat back in, That's okay. jerk. So then I'm like, I'm like thinking like, what are you, what are you talking about in these crazy events? Because there was no internet, no video, no nothing really back then, right? Right, to explain it to you. Yeah. And I was like, he'd be like, yeah, we're doing this thing. And yeah, I used to flow... Paul, all kinds of like, uh, I don't think, I'm not sure if we gave him boards or not, but I know we're giving him wax. I don't remember. It's a long time ago, but right. uh, he was super rad. And I, I didn't get it. He was coming in like first, second all the time. Um, yeah, he did well. He, he yeah. dabbled in border crosses too back That's then. Right. He was kind of a jack of all trades. And then, and then he is also, honestly, like one of the pioneers in the snow skate world. He still is. Like the guy's nice. uh, 51 now and it blows my mind every time I go out with him, uh, you know, Pal surf, pal skating, but um, yeah, back then, um, yeah, it's like you know everything as far as like the media world or whatever recognition world, everything was kind of you know it was all like if you either like got in with the movie dudes or like the photographer magazine right. people, right? And like coming from a place like Crested Butte, um, it's pretty isolated. It's back then it was super isolated in that sense. And, um, I mean, we had a couple quote unquote, you know, super pros that got their starts here, but they didn't become super pros until they left this Valley. (laughs) Cause it's, it's, it just wasn't happening. There's, there wasn't even a snowboard photographer in this Valley. You know, there's like a couple of ski photographers, but you know, so you go with them, but, but yeah, so. And, um, the, yeah, the big mountain contest, it wasn't like prize purses. You could win a couple grand or like you'd get lucky and, you know, you win a couple grand, but also they have like an air free airfare, like, <clears throat> like in 98, I won the, you know, what they call it the U S extremes here. So I won those after ha- having competed in them a couple years. Um, I think Paul had won them. A year or so prior to me, actually. I think so, too. Um, and uh, we were both on K2 at the time. That's who he was with. That's right. Yep. And uh, 
Chris Inglesman. So he's one of the super pros. Yeah, that I, I know. Came Chris, out of yeah. here. He's he's a good friend of mine. Oh, nice. He's Bear, he was Bear fucking Christie rad. Got her starts here too. You ever hear her podcast? She'll mention this area randomly. But uh, um, yeah, shoot, yeah, we go way back. You know, so all those people. Um, even Seth Westcott spent a year or two here. I think he went to college at Western for a bit. Um, so yeah, it was hard to to try and make it like, you know, I could get, you could get flow from companies and stuff, but, um, you know, you just weren't in the scene, especially at the big mountain world is, you know, you would just basically look forward to the next contest and you better darn sure kind of get in the top three to, get to make your money back. Yeah. I just make your money back, which would be like a hundred and some, whatever, 150, you know, you d- double, triple that money back for your third. And then, you know, if you're first, maybe you make, you know, four grand, at five, you know, five grand if you're really lucky or something. And, but the cool thing with the, the one here is they always had the plane ticket as the incentive too. Nice. you'd get like some prizes, you get the money. And then you got the automatic invite to the world extremes in Alaska. So that was like the, the freaking, you know, whatever you call it, the, the golden egg, you know, that everyone wanted. Um, so yeah, when, when I got to, uh, when I, when I pulled it off in 98 and I got that plane ticket with like three, 4,000 cash, um, in 98, that's like $10,000 nowadays. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, dude, it was, I lived with like seven people in like a three bedroom. We had like makeshift. I lived on like the freaking, like, uh, the upstairs hallway. We just put a board up and like where there'd be like a little side closet. Yeah. And I, that was my bedroom. And cause I was like traveling. So I'd just be like, made a deal like, Hey, how about a hundred and, 20 bucks and then we put a board up and you know that and takes then whenever you're in town down. you had somewhere to oh, sleep yeah. you're the guy and under like, the stairs eh <laughs> yeah and they're like you know well anyways i just remember i think when i won that comp like you know i got all cash and uh i came back and you know they're like fucking you know make it rain with the cash you know and then and, <laughs> You know, you're going to AK, bro. You know, like, I mean, because back then it's all you saw the movies, and it was like freestyle world or AK world. And the AK world people would, they'd be like, "Wow, it's like an alien world," but no one understood it. You know, people talk about how they would re, they would fast forward all the big mountain parts in videos a lot of times because yes. they'd want to watch the freestyle. I mean, yes. cause until later on, people realize, holy crap, anyone that got a taste of big mountain. You know, life in Alaska would be like, God damn, I should have been watching that because it's a whole nother world animal, you know? Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I, I got uh, that and uh, yeah, uh, that was probably my, the highlight of my 90s. You Crazy. Know, you, so you, you got to go to AK then? Yeah. 98, spring of 98. So I was supposed to compete in the world extremes, but they got canceled for some reason that year. Oh. So... I kind of like had this plan. They got canceled right as like, like within a week or so before I was going to go because the ticket was already set up. And, mm. and then I was kind of like figuring it out. I mean, I just like some contacts, like trying to like, you know, there's this snowboard shop out of Anchorage that I had a, a connection to. 
um, to try and get a ride from Anchorage to Valdez. It's like a four hour. Just making you know, it happen, eh? Yeah, because I, I was like, screw it. I'm going anyway. I got cash. Yeah. So yeah. I can like at least heli and I just got to figure out how to like get my lodging and then like all my cash goes to the heli. So um, <laughs> that worked out so, like, pretty good. Actually, this this is an interesting, uh, crazy story. But uh, so I roll out of the airport into Anchorage and um, I, uh, I'm i kind of looking around, trying to suss out what I'm going to do. I guess, oh, I guess I maybe call the shop, see, see how I can figure this out. And then I look across and I'm looking straight ahead and this dude's looking at me and I'm like, yeah, I kind of recognize him. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Matt Goodwill. And um, we actually had a mutual sponsor at the time. If you ever heard of Mambo Sock, a lot of people ridicule no, Mambo no. Sock. So they like made these like jester type hats in the oh, early 90s. Like, I remember like those. Like Noah Slasnik yes. rock, like the sponsor. Brand. And then they made like a crap ton of money off that. But then they ended up going into soft, like they kind of, played that out and then they went into like soft good fleece mm-hmm. type stuff and that was that. kind of their their thing and then uh i was linked up with them and then like goodwill is a bunch of different like mostly like big mountain type ski snowboarders that were on their team so like there was kind of that connection even though i didn't know him but i was like i guarantee that mother you know motherfuckers going to Valdez right. and I wonder if I can catch a ride with him. I mean, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> nice. in my head. Right. And I hope if he, I hope he hears this story. Anyways, I, I go up to him and he's just the nicest guy ever. And he's, he's a goddamn hero. Of mine. I'm trying to act cool, you know, I'm coming to AK. He's been, he's like two time King of the Hill. Like he's a badass, and he's just this humble, you know, he's this Hessian rocker dude. That's just like, you know, <laughs> likes his whiskey and his freaking heavy metal. Nice. And his weed. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually, um, yeah, we connect and I, you know, tell him I'm trying to get Valdez. He's like, oh, dude, oh, well, I got this rental. It's kind of like, it's just a, it's a two door. And I got another friend, this girl, Weege McAuliffe. But end up uh, meeting later. She shows up. He's like, "But we're heading there. But you can squeeze in the back. We'll just we're throwing all our shit on the top. We're just gonna use some climbing rope. We got it all dialed. <laughs> but you, you can t- totally welcome to jump in." Uh, he's like, "I do a couple errands before though. We head out on oh. this ro- road, and uh, so we go to the sketchy, sketchy neighborhoods." I knew you were gonna in, say that. Uh, and this is through, I don't know, his contacts, maybe with that snowboard shop, the, um, the Liskas. That's who I'm thinking of. The Liskas. Someone, they were like, you know, the, 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 the snowboard shop to be at, I think. You know, they're, they're just legendary uh, dudes as far as I heard, you know, in Alaska back then. But they had a connection for him for his, his weed connect. So, um, but, oh, we went to a head shop first. <laughs> and I'll never forget Get some this, heavy metal gear like this, or what? He, well, okay, so he's this Hessian rocker dude, right. heavy metal. And we go in there, and he he wants to get a bong. I knew it. And he 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 doesn't want just any old bong. He wants a, like at least a three footer. I'm like, really? how are we going to fit this in the pack? <laughs> and and he's, we're in there, and he's like looking around, and there's no like plain bong. Like the only bongs that like around it's like there's one and it's a freaking grateful dead bomb 
It's oh. got like Grateful Dead like stickers which, all over. Hey, it. nothing against Grateful Dead. They're, they're you know. Yeah, I hear I you. Mean, I, I know. But after the fact, actually, I love the Grateful Dead now. Going, you know, maybe back then, you know, I was more of a rocker or whatever I was into. But uh, you know, so he, it was just kind of a funny thing to me that he had to like. I think I remember making fun of him. You got this Grateful <laughs> Dead, <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, to make the story even longer, we <laughs> he goes and gets his connect. Yeah. You know, he gets his, his, his weed connect. And, um, then, you know, I meet, we, we just in the car with us and meeting her and she's a whole nother type interesting uh, personality. Um, just gnarly girl from Baker. This just, just, she's full on, man. Just little ball of fire. She's probably like five one and just, just, yeah, intense. But yeah, we ended up, uh, hitting rocks on the road on the way. There's the, the road oh. frost. There's a lot of frost heaves on yeah. the road out to Valdez, and we're in this lowered uh, sedan, and uh, there was like a rock slide or something. And we're like, I'm in the back. I'm basically like the designated bong loader for, for Goody. <laughs> Did you say loader? You know, like, loader, like, like packer. Yeah, bong. like packer. You know, <laughs> and he's going like freaking like 90 plus you know on this road that you should be going like 45 or you know <laughs> and uh I mean, you know this is like just you know this is just another year for him going you know he's fired up and i'm just like trying to act cool but i'm i'm like holy crap i'm out of my element kind of thing you're thinking you know um but we hit this rock slide and uh, th- th- there's cars on scattered on the road and uh, he comes flying around and we miss one car and avoid this other. And, but then we boom, we freaking bounce and obviously hit this one rock and we get outside. We're looking, we're like, dude, and any damage, any damage. All of a sudden we look underneath. There's freaking of all things we could have hit. We hit the gas tank. There's gas pouring out of the gas, like it punctured oh, a hole man. in the gas tank. And there's, there's miles upon miles without gas stations. So I'm like, oh, we're screwed. I, I don't know. He's just, what are you gonna, we gonna do? And he's like, he's like, get back in the car. We're going. We're gonna make it to the gas next gas station. <laughs> we, you know, like I'm like, what? And like I, in my head, I'm like, dude, we're like, this road is like frosty. There's like gas pouring out of the the tank. Like, like all I can think of is like, we're gonna blow up. We're gonna blow. Up. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm not even gonna make it to Valdez where I could die anyways. I'm gonna die in this damn car. And. <laughs> Oh. I mean, and this is the '90s. Like this, it's just how it was, you know. Like, yeah. So you know, that. Anyway, sorry, dude. That's <laughs> no, the story could keep going, but but basically, lo and behold, we get gas sketchily, like filling the gas tank, and you know, it's like pouring out as we're, I'm like the lookout, or you know, pull, keeping the gas station attendants from seeing it, and then <laughs> put more gas, in, and then we're back in the same situation again. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, don't die. And then we finally like ran out and got stuck at this like podunk like uh, diner somewhere on the exit, like a, a couple hours still from Valdez. We ended up uh, going through all of that, and we ended up having to get like a uh, a rental, like uh, driven back to like a new one driven to us. <laughs> Crazy. But, so when you got that, right, that was, you, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. So we went to you got to Alaska now. 
again, going back to safety. Back then, no one really gave a shit, or what was like? Did they tell you anything? Did you get a beacon? Did you get to a ride when you're heli riding? Well, okay, so Goodwill definitely had. I mean, I was like, I had beacon and shovel and stuff like that, but he he actually got me dialed, and he's like, he had just almost died a year or so before in a crevasse. He fell into a crevasse and oh, climbed fuck. himself out of it. Oh, shit. This is the most insane story. I don't even know if anyone's ever heard this story. It should be told in like a magazine art or something but literally the guy f- fell in and crawled back up because his friends never even saw him they were gone and he spent like two hours he told me he thought he was gonna die the whole time just like sticking one foot to another against the wall like shimmied back up like 85 feet up out of this crevasse or something hmm. but he told me you're getting a harness you're getting this like we went to like uh you know a outfitting store and like he made me get like an ice like he was just like just do it bro and i was like all right <laughs> i got the uh, flow let's do it <laughs> so yes but um yeah no it was you know you, i want to say like you know you bought chips it was like i want to say it was like 50 bucks for the plane ride and 80 bucks for the heli rides and aba alaska backcountry adventure was the the one operation that was like kind of like you could just do one run if you wanted. Or did, you didn't have to be like, oh, sign me up for the day. Here's 500 bucks, you know, six, seven run. You could just kind of like go like, you know, go as you you wanted, like if depending on weather and stuff and be like, oh, I'll just go do one run today or two runs, you know. But um, yeah, you would just – the it was right after – some regulations had come in though. FAA, I think Chip or uh, Chet, who was a pretty famous heli pilot there, had crashed. He was a Vietnam War vet, super intense guy. I just met him once, but he had gotten in a helicopter crash and no one died, but the FAA got word of this and then it like linked him in to like putting more regulations in Valdez. And um, so then they had to like, that's when like guides kind of came in to the, the equation with the heli. Like if you went, you know, there'd be a, a guide linked in with your heli, you know? So you, you, you know, as like a solo person, I was kind of like, you know, I would just try and link in with other dudes and be like, all right, let's, let's go for it. But the guides were pretty cowboy still, you know, <laughs> even though they're a guy, I mean, it was still, it's AK cowboy. I mean, yeah, there's, it, I'm surprised uh, more more stuff. I mean, actually, some stuff did happen then. I think I want to say somebody actually got killed with guides the second week I was there. I was there for about a month. I and just that, camped out. So you were there for about a month the first time you went? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I never got to go back, which is crazy. Like, um, I wanted to go back, but um, different stuff happened, you know. I. I never got to go back to to AK. I'm still trying to. <laughs> Bummer. So let me ask you this: what What was riding an AK like compared to where you had been previous? I think uh, like having like Crested Butte at my disposal, like it helped in some ways because uh, I was used to like technical rollover, kind of like you know, kind it's kind of more Billy Goat style here, but like. Um, you know, AK, it's like steep as hell, roll over, and you know, it's open, um, and just a full, you know, 
blow your mind world, you know, with the runs, but, uh, <laughs> less, less, uh, less of a struggle. I think we watched a video before we started talking with you where you're, it seems like your Billy goat. I don't know the name of it. Darren was showing me, but man, you were working hard at, uh, getting down that mount that, that mountainside. Oh, that's yeah. That's, that's some, uh, some stuff around here. Um, yeah, we get this kind of like spiny, there's a spiny zone you can go to and this, uh, it's like sugary spines. They shouldn't even exist. And oh, it's yeah, steep it's, and, it's rocks underneath. Yeah, you, you can see the. You're fight, yeah, you got to fight the whole time. So yeah. I mean, that's like like an AK spines are like actually easier than that because it's like more supportive and yeah. you know. But the slough factor is 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 the monster in AK. I mean, besides the exposure, I mean it's you know it's AK. But and that's uh, usually. It's, and then you can attest that because of the wind, how much wind comes in, and of course, because being over thirty yeah, it's degrees, coast, and, it's coastal there, so the yeah. wind can come in hard sometimes. And you know, I mean, I, I you know, I was only there for a month, but I was, I was, I was there for a month, and a uh, I saw a lot of stuff happen in that month, even though you know, in that era too. Like, I was, I, I did a lot of runs. I think I had a tally. I did like. Like thirty, I mean, I cashed all my money out, and I think I might have like used another credit card I had. <laughs> you know, there was just all going scholarship to still or what? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I think I, I'd been out of college for a while by then, so I was actually just like avoiding loan payments by then. So. <laughs> you you, you kind of did the the same kind of concept as uh, Jeremy Jones. He's like, I got a, four boxes of Cliff Bars and uh, money totally. for the Hellies, and I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> <clears throat> totally definitely on that on that same line um yeah so Sleep, sleeping wherever the hell you can get a mat or a bed or somewhere cold well or I, somewhere be, I, bef- I befriended a local valdesian kid who uh was one of the only snowboarders that he had never ridden a ski area or a chairlift oh. he'd snowboarded and only learned to snowboard off thompson pass in valdez it was it was so trippy oh, wow. i like i go on he's a guy that kind of showed like was like I had some, you know, mountain steep skills, but the slough thing, he would, he'd been dealing with since he was like, you know, a young teenager. And so he had some things that I was like kind of quirky about, but then like other stuff he was just like so knowledgeable about. I was like, you know, trying to get me to learn how to like, he's like, dude, you know, I remember so you could go, there's the snow cat. I call it the ghetto cat. <laughs> and it was his buddy's cat there was like this fancier one but there's like this local one and it was like half the price and it was a it was a couch it was, and it wasn't a covered snow cat it was like this couch and everyone <laughs> just like sat in the back and like yeah. he like got me in with the dude because this guy picked me up hitchhiking and then we just hit it off and he was like 20 he was just about to turn 21 we totally hit it off on the ride up and uh he ends up like offering me a place to stay in the trailer he's renting with his buddy and um, I end up being like the, you know, getting him the booze, dude. <laughs> but uh, uh, he just just welcomed me with, you know, all arms. Like his parents owned the, the Halibut House, I think it was called, which is was this cool little like, you know, fast food type but mom and pop place. And they, they served these bomb ass like halibut fish sandwiches. But – so when I was linked in with him, uh, Ryan Capejos, nice this guy, that's his name. I just remember his name, but I was getting free fish, you know, halibut oh, fish sandwiches fuck. at the end of the day. Nice. We'd go up the pass, 
And then he linked me in with the snowcat buddy and his buddy is like, he's like, yeah, just have him just like grab the people's skis and boards and put them on the rack and then he could just jump on the back. <laughs> so, so, and this is like when it's stormy, everyone yeah. else would be down in the bars, you know, yeah. there's like pros and people mingling and they're all getting drunk and wasted and pissed off because the weather is bad. But I was going up and getting on the snowcat and you go on this mountain called Odyssey and there's this zone where it's like gullied and like safe because it's like you get dropped off and there's like this gullied zone. So once you're in it, you're like you're, you're kind of like you know you're not going to like go go off any cliff stuff. But like I mean there's little features and stuff. But you could ride it like blind on the, you know, like in foggy, snowy conditions. And so I was just getting free runs for like a week or so. Everyone oh. else is just like bummed out, you know. And then – uh Anyways, yeah, that was the Valdez days. Nice. So then, when you got back to Crested Butte, or did, is that where you came back to after that? Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you then start to decide to like you want to get bigger mountains, do easier terrain, kind of? For sure. I uh, I I met actually a guy Tony Harrington, a photographer in Valdez, who I shot with. I actually ended up getting a bunch of cool stuff published with him. But he actually founded this uh, really insane contest in New Zealand. Mm. called the rip curl it was called the rip curl heli challenge at the time and he invited me to it so that summer i saved up working i don't know what i was doing i was like dishwashing and doing a bunch of ski bum type work and uh saved up and um had this invite to this contest in like august and uh so that was my next adventure i got to go to new zealand and um in august there's no snow yeah here. i got I, so off. i got to do this got nice. pulled into the southern hemisphere world nice. and um yeah that was a whole another story i'm and sure then, uh, <laughs> it sounds like you're, so, you're very, you come in like it's like the ski bum but you're the snowboard bum but yet you make it happen and that's the beautiful thing about it right i've always been i'll just put this i, I always been fighting yeah. to stay in the game yeah. i i never was given the, you know i was when i was you know, in the K two team, I was I was the B team, and you know, I I uh, I had my photo incentives, and you know, but I, I wasn't getting paid, you know, so it was all kind of like you know, you get your equipment, yeah, you get you get your shots, and you can get some money off those incentives. But it was tough back but, then because you know there was only a couple magazines, and again, no one knew this, but the corporations that unless your guys getting or yeah. Transworld's paying or your, your company's paying Transworld, your guy's not getting into the into the magazine or just the videos, right? Exactly. If you're not the it dude or yeah. has the friend that's it dude, or if you're just not just this phenomenal, just insane, like blow everyone's doors off rider that just, you know, which, you know, there's some of those people with just a freakish talent that just no matter what, they're just going to, yeah. things are going to go their way. Um, yeah, if you're, you know, and then the big mountain world, it was already a disadvantage because oh, yeah. literally in those late nineties, like yeah. all those people like Goodwill and Tex and these yeah. big mountain types wow. that were like, you know, so there's like, there's like the Jim Rippies and those people that are in Celastics that were big mountain, but they're also the freestyle Mac daddies. Exactly. So they're killing it. Whereas the, the big, the full big mountain focus type dudes, they got, Axed, you know, they well, boom, boom, slowly, slowly. It's funny you bring up Jim Rippey because I, uh, as soon as you say his name, all I can think of him is I think it's TV two where he's just throwing himself off this fucking massive cliff doing a big backflip, and we're like, I was just like blown away. I'm like, I'll never do that, but holy shit, that's epic. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I hung out with him and Goodwill in the back of a car. I think there might have been some some Mara Juwan involved too then uh, on a down Juwan. day. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> trying to, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was around him for a bit. Uh, he's interesting yeah. character. Yeah, and good. this is in Valdez mode. You know, you, you got to remember when you're around these kind of dudes in Valdez, it's like, it's like, uh, Mel Gibson from, uh, you know, they're going to war. Everyone's kind of secretly going to war in their head. You know, <laughs> they're like on edge. You know, yeah. that's kind of how Valdez. That's that world is like you're on edge until you're leaving. You're that's what JP. That's what JP Martin said. The same, same thing. He said, you go there you're on edge for how many weeks or month you're there. And then you leave. And, and oh, then, for sure. And then you, you, when you go back to the mountain, you're kind of, you're, you're still kind of, it's like almost like a PTSD. He called it of, of that stuff. Right. Being oh, on, for sure. Being for sure. Yeah, so, no, it's, and then, yeah. So go ahead. Oh no! I was gonna so, I was gonna bring in some JP JP Martin because he talked about yeah. him and I talked about you last night a little bit. He says he, oh, he told geez. me to ask you the, about going on tour on a trip with you and Ken Achenbach in Austria. Something about him getting drunk, busting up his elbow, fucking blood everywhere. He, that's all he said. He just like he gave me this really, and then I'm like, "Okay, what else is he?" I goes, don't even, and then he goes, "Well, I I could dig into it more, but we ain't got time." I was like, "I know it's twelve thirty at night, but I don't know." Man, I don't I don't even know if uh, that was me because <laughs> I never went to Austria. Sorry, JP. Maybe it was I don't know. Then. Maybe I look like uh, someone, like, but uh, <laughs> that's what he was telling uh, me. I go I can go have a look again at what the message was, but that's what he said. He said it's uh, Austria. Ask about the Ken Achenbach. Yeah. He said um, he said he definitely said your big um, extreme comps U.S. to Verbier loves. To I was in Verbier. I was in Verbier. It could have been during the Verbier. Maybe I hung out with him then. I mean, things get foggy, but yeah, I did go do the the um, Verbier Extreme. That was probably you know that was the gnarliest comp I've ever done. But that was in two thousand one. Yeah, like that, that could have been. Maybe there is like something there. I don't that know. I, he seems to I be younger. Remember. Yeah. Anyways, he, well, break break down Verbier for us because yeah. I'm super interested in that well, man. Like, what is what does it take to drop into something like that? And just yeah, what what's going there. through your head? Ah, uh, well. So this is 2001. I think. And who were you competing with back then or against? <laughs> um. So this is back when it was just snowboarders only. Sorry, my cat is being a brat. Hey, dude. Get out of there. Let's go outside. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You've got no kids, but man, you, 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 yeah, he's, you, he, he is a little brat. That's awesome. I know I've got one as Anyways, well. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. He's interrupting. The no couch. worries. Hey, get out. Go on. Get out of there. Get outside. <laughs> go outside. Um, oh, that's funny. So, yeah, uh, this Verbier. is back when it was snowboarders only and um, 16 invited riders. Uh, maybe it's 16 men and three women. They, they definitely like kept it tight, and um, yeah, you invited. Um, yeah, this is, I don't know how many years it was before they brought in the skiers, but yeah, this is you know. So this is like four years after it originally started. I think it started in '96, but um, yeah, 2001. Um, yeah, I ended up there. I kind of was like, I wasn't sure if it was happening, and I got this late 
late minute like invite kind of like i was like it was almost i was like on like a waiting list like i was like one or two guys down and then like one person didn't show or something and then they're like all right you're in better be extreme you can get a ticket of it you know so i was like all right holy crap okay i'm doing it so yeah um that was like in march 2001 um first time riding in europe I ended up actually trying not to go into a sub story, but I went to Chamonix uh, like a week for a week before Verbier. And that was because I had a connection where I was living in Tahoe at the time. And my landlord had been going there for several years, a skier guy, and he had links there. And so he's kind of like, well, you can come out and, you know, I can can kind of show you around a little bit. I mean, if you can go to Chamonix, you need to have at least one some people that have, have been her a couple of times, just it's deadly, you know, yeah. like it literally, it's, it's, you know, you, you see it in the videos and it's so, I mean, that's a whole nother, I go there the week before and I'm starting to focus in. I'm like, Oh, I gotta go do this Verbier extreme thing. And Euros don't give a flying fuck. They just go hard. They go ham, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. But, uh, so I'm trying to get my head around it and uh I'm in Chamonix which is you know it's it's full on and this is like spring breakish so you got all these like families crowding up the scene but then you got all the hardcores trying to get up and uh t- you know basically we're just going straight for the Aiguita Midi that's and then you get up there and then you just got all these options and um you know I ended up getting in the situation where I pretty much should have died, like full, like, like had, had bought, bought like a, I hadn't brought an ice axe over there, but my friend convinced me to buy an ice axe like two days before during down days because it was storming. He's like, you need a goddamn ice axe. Like, okay, I guess I should, I should probably have an ice axe then. Mm-hmm. So that ice axe I bought saved my life. I, uh, trying to get into the Cosmic Couloir, which is, kind of a well-known couloir but um it's typically like guides will take some groups of you know they have to be pretty decent skier you know mm-hmm. highly advanced skiers that they'll take them in there but or it's just like the freaking the rabble rousers that you know it's like a group of couple chargers that will go into it and um so the main entrance is clogged up by these groups of tourists and guides but there was this side shoot thing that was like exposed with like 90 foot cliff, but there, you could slot in maybe. And then it was going to allow me to get ahead, you know, get ahead of that crew, crew of people, get way ahead, you know. And um, I just was like, oh, I got this. Just being just, you know, stupid, pretty Talk, much. Cocky um, stupid. Cocky, yeah. totally. Just, and, and then I'm like in my head, like, like I said, I'm getting – just be like, oh well, I gotta get, I gotta get myself into this exposed gnarly and feel comfortable, you know, because I'm gonna be on this mountain of doom here in a, in a week. So, yeah, I ended up getting into this thing, and my friends, it was kind of windy, and they were like going to check where what was going on with the situation at the other entrance, and I decided, like, I thought they heard me. I was like, I'm going for it, and I slide in, and it's like grippy. I make like one jump turn, another jump turn, and then it goes from like grip to like just pure ice and i'm just like on my heel edge i'm just like and like to my left like this thing is like it's a shoot but it's like exposed shoot like it's like 80 90 foot and then below it is like 
the beginnings of the cosmic, but then to the left, it splits and to the left is like solid down to the Mer de Glace, like 5,000 feet to your death. Just like you, you, if you fell, you break some bones, but then if you start ragdolling, you just, you're going to ragdoll to your death. Oh. I mean, it is. So that's in your intense. head while you're sliding down, right? Well, and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, don't fall. You just say, keep that edge. Keep, and I'm just like, and I slowly, I'm just like trying not to like even move, like make any subtle moves. It's like sort of kind of holding just enough. And I like pull the ice axe as I'm like trying not to slip. And I just like get in my hand and I like, I, I reach across, you know, my right arm, I'm goofy foot and I slant, you know, just jab the freaking ice axe as hard as I could. Boom. And just, I'm just like, boom, just like cross holding. And it, I got, I got it like hooked in. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You can relax, you know. And then, then it's like ten minutes before they finally came back and found me. Um, uh, and by then my hand was just like I was dangling by the the cord because I couldn't even grip the damn thing anymore. And I was just like, and they pulled me out luckily. And it was very, very humbling, very humbling experience. And um, then I get, then I went to Verbier, <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. I didn't die in Chamonix. I'm think I'm ready for this. <laughs> but so, what did you like? What What did you learn like, from that experience moving forward? So sorry, into, into, yeah, into today's no, that's no, fine. It's all good. So before we get into Verbier, so with that experience, that's freaking hellish, man. Like that's <laughs> your brain. I mean, knows. you know, everybody's got their stories, and you know, you can make a story sound gnarlier than it is, but it, it truly was like it was one of those moments, you know. You know, amongst other things, I've been in some avalanche stuff too, but that was in those those moments where I'm like, I I'm gonna die if I don't get my crap together right now. You know, like kind of moments. Well, so that was your first time like experiencing ice out of nowhere. It's kind of the experience. Yeah, I should have known better. It was just the way the this thick snow that like coated mm-hmm. what is you know this upper flanks that get icy. And I, I'm first time there. I don't know much about yeah, exactly. that. And I, I'm disoriented by the way it's facing too. It probably had like an east face to it, so it had probably been getting some sun. But um, so looking yeah. back at it now, you would probably would have not even went there. No, I mean exactly. I it was so so stupid. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, Verbier was uh, yeah, it was. That was a you know the 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 that contest definitely was that highlight where after that, you know, went down, I definitely was like, okay, I think I've reached my pinnacle with this stuff, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as like getting myself in a competition setting where you're like forced to just pull all this adrenaline and just get fired up, you know? Cause like, you know, that jumbotron screens, you got like 10,000 people oh, below. Shit. Um, it's a, and they got like helis that's following you with the camera. They, they, they long line the cameramen back then. This is, you know, before drones, they'd long line cameramen into the face and the dudes would just be there ready to film dudes. And then at the end of the contest, they'd, they'd long, like latch them and long line them out with a helicopter. So that must be intense sensory overload. I mean, here you are dropping in on this extreme face. You know, you got this pressure to compete, uh, to throw down what you can. 
You got the you're on a world fucking stage, basically, exactly. right? You got helicopters flying around. You got the start gate. You got people going. <laughs> then you're coming around a corner, trying to manage your line and manage your board and keep from tomahawking. And then boom! All of a sudden, there's a fucking camera guy right there, right? like you <laughs> probably surprised the shit out of you, right? Like it sounds like I think I takes... sprayed when the cameraman's during one one part of my line, but I actually had to go first, which is pretty crazy because you did the bib draw and then. I ended up drawing first guy to go, and the storm hammered, like, I don't know how many couple feet. They had to delay the contest for a whole week. So I actually just got to go free riding with, like, a bunch of legends, Mike Rankwit and all these other um, freaking Steve Clawson, who's, like, the five-time champion. He was my roommate for a bit, and I rode with him a couple days, and... Actually, I ended up beating him that year. Um, <laughs> if he's yeah. listening, <laughs> I I got I got ninth. He got tenth, and he was five time champion. And, and it was not, by no means because I was uh, any better than him. He was just you know I don't know have, you know having an off year or something, and I I got lucky. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I go first. No, I mean I was just just happy to you know get down. I. I definitely stuck to my line because you gotta go to the. You're at the bottom, and um, you know you, you you're not allowed to ride it, of course. And there was just you scoping it with binocs, and then you're allowed to go, you know, get go kind of get a side view. And that's actually when you're hiking up for the morning. They make everyone hike up for an hour and something. Um, so you're getting like a side view of the line that you've chosen. And so you're just taking that info, like, okay, there's these little markers and in your head from, from like the, the bottom front view and across yeah. and the side view and like, I hope I'm right, you know? Right. But, um, yeah, I, I took like a pretty main route right off the top that was pretty exposed. So I, was, I felt good about that. And going first, you know, this, too, it's, it's hard with competitions. Sure. You know, it's all, they're judging you, like, you know who's who's what you know um but i was just happy to yeah not not get hurt get out of that one that's an interesting uh that's an interesting dynamic when you talk about how you have to pick your line using binocs from the base looking up at the face that you got to ride and then the only other perspective is you get hiking up uh from a lateral point of view and now you got to kind of put together that roadmap in your head right because now you're going to drop in on it from above. And so it's all looking different, but oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's amazing when I don't think a lot of people think about what it takes to do that kind of competition and, and like yeah, all it's a stuff. lot of micro processing, kind no, of like a computer. No doubt. So would you say, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Right. And real time, uh, real fast time. So what would you say like for the, the riders who like the top riders who, who podium and that, like those are the people who did the best job at, um, at mapping out what their run was going to be as well as just skill wise too, I guess. You just having, in, yeah, the skill and the confidence. Confidence right. is huge. Well, and balls too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that goes sure. with the skill. That and goes along the with confidence. skill and confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, man. absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's just like uh, you know, whatever they call that. You know, like uh, Travis Rice talks about that uh, when you're in that moment or whatever. You know, it's like, like a, when you're in the zone type of thing. That zone moment, yeah, where time stands still. I mean, that's right. kind of what you got to tune into on. 
Well, it's those the kind com- of things. It's the uh, competent, confident, competent. Uh, I can't think of the word. Yeah. Like an awareness type of thing. Yeah. So, so how did so then you? Uh, I don't know. Am I fast forwarding your career? If I say, you know, then eventually now you're there. Came, Let's get into flipboarding. <laughs> well, well, we'll get there for sure. But we got to a point. We get to a point in your life where you're judging these kind of competitions, are you not? Yes. Yeah. Here we go again. Okay. So, um, yeah. So then we we go from. Uh, yeah, I think I did a couple more competitions. There's this thing called the North Face Masters that started, and. I got back into competing. I actually moved to the coast and got into surfing, blah, blah, blah. Got really hooked on that. And I actually was living in a van. <laughs> and van life before like, there was van life. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> van life. I was hashtag van life. Right. Actually. Um, actually, okay, give us a rundown. I, what was the van that you were living in? Uh, I was in the Ford Aerostar oh. uh, short, short, the short version Ford Aerostar all-wheel drive with studded snows. Nice. And I had my, I had my, uh, you know, my box, rocket box on the top. And then the, all the back seats just would flush down t- into a bed. So I kind of had that and I just made some, some rickety curtains. Um, <laughs> but, uh, was yeah. Was it, was I it mean, white? That was a whole nother world. <laughs> was it white? <laughs> yeah, right. was it white and it had a sign on the outside? That no, said, it was free not puppies, white. Free can- no, free candy. <laughs> no, it was it was forest green. I called it the green machine. But um, yeah, that was a whole nother. I I I actually like just totally pulled out of the snowboard world when I I stopped. You know, this mm. got out of the snowboard sponsorship and all that competition stuff, and I just. Um, yeah, like moved to California with an ex-girlfriend, actually in a Winnebago at the time. We split up within that year, and I ended up, um, after having lived in Tahoe for a season, uh, getting that, that van, and then I was just going uh, to San Diego and uh, living in a van and working uh, night jobs. So I'd surf like until like noon, one-ish, and then start my night job and save money for like six, seven, eight months, and then uh, – take that money and then I was still like, you know, I, I went and lived in Whistler for a winter and we lived in Stevens Pass for winter. I lived in, in that, and I had lived in Tahoe the year before that, right? going into that fan life. But, uh, yeah, that was a whole nother world. I still was snowboarding a bit, but it was like really just pure, like, you know, not trying to be in that world of competition and stuff and just out there free riding with friends. And it was really, so it was a real soul searching kind of era for me. Um, actually, I remember being in San Diego during one of those uh, movie premieres, uh, like like a standard films premieres. Yeah, uh, you know they'd have like the premiere in uh, downtown San Diego during like the the ASR trade show, which is like the surf snowboard trade show thing that would happen down there. But um, or uh, I don't know what if it's ASR, whatever it was called, but. I remember going to that premiere and I'm living in my van and, you know, I'm friends with Jeremy at the time, Mr. Jones. And, um, you know, here I am living in my van, just like in this whole other world. And, uh, I remember going, going to that premiere and, uh, I was so fired up cause like, this is the time when like Jeremy was the only big mountain guy left, like the, the last 
samurai, a less Jedi, to, you know, <laughs> for the most part that was getting paid and making it happen. And he was like, you know, you know, he would have that big mountain part in those movies at the time. And, uh, sorry, my cat is a brat. Get the heck out of here, buddy. <laughs> um, I got to take his collar off. I'm sorry. He's, no worries. I'm just totally screwing up this podcast. No, you're good, man. You're good. It's life. Uh, so we're taking, we're taking the collar off, bro. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, so I, you know, saw the movie and it was just, it was just cool just seeing somebody representing the big mountain world still. And we connected then and, you know, uh, that was uh, just something. I don't know why that stuck out of my head, but I just I remember that moment. That was maybe the last times I connected with Jeremy, you know. And um, then uh, you know, move forward, and uh, I end up uh, trying to move to Europe. My van breaks down, so all the money I had saved had to go into fixing my van because it's my house <laughs> and um I, I so i didn't move to europe and i moved back to crested butte this is like 16 years ago mid 2000s and um yeah i i got back came back to my roots after like five years of being away and then um yeah i did a couple of those masters competitions um and then blew my knee out, and that's where the judging stuff comes comes into play. Sorry. Oh, okay. Full, full random, you know, tangent right there. <laughs> no, no worries, man. It is the cycle. Cool. So, into the judging. So, what was it like being the judge, watching this stuff after having Been done judged. your time <clears throat> being judged? Yeah. Yeah, that was just neat because. Um, here I was getting to be part of that world again, um, but I'm on the other side, and I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm getting paid, so that's a good, you know, not much, but it's like I'm getting you know, getting paid, and I'm getting to travel again too, and I don't have to have the the, you the know, the, the stress and all that, and um, I, I get to like kind of be amongst it and, and see that energy and and thrive off it, and you know. Um, but uh but does yeah, it change it was, does it change for you like you're you're looking at that those lines and you're seeing these guys ride these or are you sitting there like dang I want to hit that like do you uh not really I mean unless it's like you know happen to be like a good pow day for the morning of that comp or something you know and right um I didn't miss that really too much okay <laughs> um, I mean I was definitely like would find myself like rooting, like, like trying to like will like certain people that I knew had it in them, like in my head without being biased or being like, dude, no, 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 go, go more left and a little fat, right. you know, yeah, yeah. charge it more. Like, like I want to give you the score, but you're going to, you know, you're going to have to just, you know, you're going to throw down. Give her, do yeah, give yeah. her. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, and I, and I could place myself in their head because, you know, I'd been there. So, you know, it's it's interesting dynamic for sure. Um, so, how long did so, you do the judging for? Uh, maybe that lasted like four or five years. Oh wow! You know, 
something like that mm-hmm. until until the competition like the MSI was w- one of my main um, you know <clears throat> employers if you will <laughs> um, which they were the mountain sports uh, incorporated what are they what's the name of their company but they um, they were just losing money um, on every competition but they were one of the founding organizations that kind of you know brought the these competitions into light you know from the ski world and then you know they they kind of brought that masters event back with the north face so the, you know uh, and and that was the cool thing about that north face masters now is you know the last thing i competed in was it was snowboard only like there because some of these free ride events would be ski and snowboard mixed, you know, like, so it'd be like two competitions in, you know, you're not going against each other, but like the skiers have their competition, the snowboards have their competition. Yeah. Like the FWT does. Yeah. Yeah. FWT does that too. Yeah. There you go. Right. Exactly. So it just brought, you know, with, when it was like those early comps that we started in where it was a snowboard only, that's what the masters brought that back in and, uh, that was kind of neat because we had like full on judges. We had like, you know, Temple Cummings, Tom Burt, Andy nice. Hetzel, nice. Julie oh, yeah. Zell as judges. So like all the riders had full respect, you know, yeah, and they understand. Yeah. So when I was judging, at least I felt good. I had another friend of mine, Danny Hardigan, who's a good friend of mine, local here who, um, you know, was, one of the top competitors in, in big mountain stuff too. And we, he was on the judging circuit with me and, um, you know, we, uh, we had some credibility, I, I guess, if you will, because we were like the consistent judges that were coming to these contests. Um, so I think at least, I hope the competitors kind of, you know, they at least had that like, okay, you know, you know, they're not like these giant super pro legends, but they're guys that have like fully competed, you know, um, and know exactly what, what's kind of going on with this stuff. So I think they definitely like, you know, felt good about the judging with that. So then that let you in, that led you into exploring the backcountry even more. Because you, now you're getting back into the snowboarding, you're loving the, you're loving it. You're getting to go riding. I'm sure you're riding yeah. a little bit. Well, so, so then you start yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that guy, I'd blown my knee too, and that was part of the reason I finally was like, "All right, dude, you're getting old, bro. Just give it up. You're like 36. <laughs> Just stop doing this, com- you know." And that's uh, actually I, that's where I, my love for pal surfing. You come back full circle with the first question with the pal surf my pal surfing stuff brought me back and that also brought my love you know for the splitboarding world too once i got into pal so pal surfing i started doing that because after blowing my knee i did not want to lock myself into bindings for a while Uh i'm so paranoid of re-blowing my knee and with elkins is one of my good buds and he'd been proponent with the snow skating stuff for years i'm just watching him and I was doing little bits of that, like snow skating on the mountain. But then, like, you know, the pal surfing is like, oh, backcountry, that's, you know, take a pal surfer. And, you know, um, and that was just like, okay. You know, I got these things called mountain approach skis that a f- uh, friend of mine, Corey Smith, invented. They were kind of a thing for a while. But uh, they, uh, 
they would help me get out there on the pal surfer because they're foldable approach skis yeah. with like a permanent skin on them. And, um, yeah, so the pal surfing, um, and then, yeah, the splitboarding, I just, you know, I dabbled like my friends had, uh, you know, the volley, um, kits, you know, back in those late 2000, late, uh, yeah, like 2000, whatever. Yeah. And I want to say six or somewhere around there when, you know, that you're splitting your board and the kit. So I, I think I borrowed one from my buddy or maybe eventually got one, one of my boards cut. And so I started dabbling that way with the split boarding. Um, and, um, yeah, getting out there with, with, uh, different, different people. So like, again, did you get any EST? And your or, or avalanche where yeah no I, like, I, I was that I'd high on the level now or what on your mindset yeah yeah i um i had dabbled i i had um gotten my avi one years before and um you know um definitely was a lot more fo i mean just living in crested butte always kind of made you kind of hyper focus mm-hmm. as much as you could anyways like right. um kind of like this ticking time bomb where like there's a lot of places where it's just you know you just automatically if you're going out in the backcountry here you know early season or mid season it's it was just a well known thing you you better have all your stuff together um cuz you know it's 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 just out there and in our our uh we have the Crested Butte Avalanche Center, which has been a phenomenal organization that's been here for quite a while, like maybe since the late nineties, but that's always helped our community here because, um, they're just a wealth of knowledge and they have, you know, every, uh, fall they have, uh, a get together, you know, um, and go over all, you know, kind of almost like a little mini Avi one little kind of thing for nice. everyone. Nice. And, uh, like re- you know, like a refresher. Yeah. Refresher. Exactly. And, uh, so yeah, there's all that. And then I think just also for me f- from traveling around to so many different mountain ranges around the world, mm-hmm. like just, just the overall just experiences and stuff maybe helped me, you know, I also mentioned I was in the, I mentioned an avalanche, to you uh right. somewhat like that that was uh th- that's so that's going back in time and that was in like 98 i was in the, involved in a massive avalanche in uh the jackson backcountry um it was phew, one of those days it had been snowing uh, i was visiting there with a friend we were um hitting this area i mean this is before, right before the boundaries were open. But in Jackson, I mean, you can watch those documentaries, you know, the Jackson Hole Air Force, you know, what they were doing. So we're just jumping in with that same line, you know, line of thinking. I don't know if you've seen the Jackson Hole. There's like a documentary about the Jackson Hole Air Force. No. You should check it out if you, you can. But, um, you know, there are crew guys that were just like slaughtering the backcountry for better or worse, you know. And, um, yeah, they, we ended up, uh, popping off a really 
big, like probably eight to 10 foot crown. Um, this is my buddy and I, after having going into this zone, uh, we had already done two runs over there and there's like a couple other groups that have been going back there. So it felt like, Oh, I think we're, it feels mm-hmm. good, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that like, it was third time. We're like, let's go a little further to the right. Let's go get some. And like, I'm following him. He's regular for, I'm goofy. So he's on his toe side cutting across. This is David Rogers. Sorry, Dave, to call you out, but no. he's another ex-pro. He was on the cover of Snowboarder uh, years ago, the Silver Surfer. Really interesting character. But he was cutting across, and um, a toe side, I'm heel side, so he's able to get like 50, 80 yards ahead of me because naturally in powder when you're cutting across on your heel side, you're going way slower than someone mm-hmm. on their toe side. Yeah, And that, that would play in as pure luck on both – you know, for me especially, because when it popped off, we were like whatever, 60, 70 yards from each other. And it cracked and literally like he has his own story, but like he was on the outer like rider's right edge of the avalanche. And I was on closer to the rider's left edge of the avalanche. I was within like 10 yards of the edge of that. But this is a massive amount of snow that popped. So luckily, like I just, you know, it was all just like an instinctual thing where it's like in three seconds, it goes zero to a hundred. That's how fast he's, he avalanche is keen to get going. Oh, yeah. But I'm just, uh, literally like I hear the noise. It's like, and unlike any noise I've ever heard, I'm sure someone else talking about a big slide on your podcast, maybe talked about this. But, yeah. I've heard the same uh, thing. Yep. That noise is just insane. It's, you know, it's like maybe be like in a giant 50 foot wave sound, you know, crashing sound. But, um, I look down and like I'm already like on these like platelets, if you will, that are like slowly like a puzzle starting to pull away. And like, yeah. you know, this is in like a three second point of view where it's just accelerating. And I'm just like on my heel side. So I basically like somehow just kept myself on top of these couple platelets that are trying to separate. And then if I fell in between them, I was toast. I knew it. So I like slid and then just pointed forward. And as it accelerated, I just like went with it and stayed on top of the, the platelets. This sounds kind of crazy, but I skipped across them like a frog on the loop of the battle. And then just like <laughs> fought through like the last chunks. Um, at the edge and uh, just watch this thing just rip. And it it ripped big. It it ripped to the ground halfway down. Like oh. boulders boulders got pulled up. Like like it was not just a matter of getting buried. It was just like like your body would have been ripped into pieces, like okay. kind of destruction. Okay, so so what I'm hearing then, you avoided getting caught in it? You were able Pretty to escape much. it? Exactly. Was anybody very your, lucky? Was anybody in your crew caught in it? There's just me and my buddy. So he, like I said, he was on the other skiers right out outer edge, and he right, right. He fought through some shrublings, and he was okay too. Like, and um, I just remember like we just like yelled, and eventually, you know, after that thing had ripped and then settled, and. You could, you know, yell and, and um, communicate, and we, we we linked back up, and you know, I just like it was like, oh my god, just, just gave each other a big hug. We're just like 
pretty much but this is like emba- you know we're just, we're embarrassed we're like oh, now, yeah. don't tell a soul you know like it's like one of those things like mom's the word but you know we're just we got lucky on this one but no doubt man um, and, and i know it, i mean i've never been stuck in one but i know what it's like just like narrowly missing being eaten up by something and then walking yeah. away from it, just like, like holy humble, right. holy humble. Like, right, yeah. like if you're like a car accident or oh, like yeah, any exactly. kind of life things that have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, so that happened earlier on in the timeline. So that really humbled me too. Like it, that helped me. I I was pretty paranoid for years and still am. I I actually knock on wood. I haven't been in any slides since you know i've just been very careful and uh just you know i'm selective about you know when i want to go out and yeah. how i feel that's and I my gonna, crew that's what i was going to get into is like so now that you're more aware of that kind of situation are you leading up to going riding what are some of the things you prepare uh what are you looking at what are you watching you know moments before going the night before Give us a little bit of a mindset. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, well, you know, to depend on where I'm thinking about going. Um, so, like a lot of times, I'm I tended to favor my pal surfer like early season a lot and mid season because um, I can do lower like lower angle stuff, still get the rush, but not have to put myself in as much danger. I mean, they're still there, but you know, it's, it's just, you don't need as much, uh, terrain to, to be happy. If you have will. a great time. Yeah. So like, you know, like Elkins factors in as one of my, my part of my crew, you know, to get out there and go do some pal surfing and then like split boarding wise. Um, yeah, we'll just <clears throat> check the, the forecast, you know, always go to the, I love, I love the, Crespi Avalanche Center, um, they're they're my go-to for sure during the storm cycle, and just because they got multiple humans out there, all, 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 along with all the other backcountry enthusiasts that are putting in reports, you know, daily at different aspects, different mountain, you know, valleys and stuff, and um, you know, so you get a general idea of what you. You know, you hope it's kind of like in some aspects and stuff. And so that's like the, the start, you know, just kind of assessing where we want to go for the day, what we want to do. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you what do you want me to talk about? Like, uh, what, like, I have an idea. So, what, uh, man, of all the riding that you've done, man, and the places that you've been and the experiences that you have, you've when had, you writing, had, when are you writing a book? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I live long enough to do it, right? <laughs> what? Uh, but what? What I'm curious about is, what is the attraction for you to splitboarding? Like, I want to know what. Oh, I yeah. don't want. I want to know what Gareth gets out of it. Like, what is? Because I know how oh, I what I love about it. But uh, but yeah, I think everybody'd be interested to hear what you love about it. I mean, it's just it's like you know this all encompassing place the like like the womb you know I, I, like escapism but also being part of like this whole nature ecosystem you know like um just like 
I don't know, uh, escaping all the whatever is going on in my life that might not be stoked on, but also, you know, like dealing with all those intricacies that life, you know, gives you, um, uh, yeah, you get that factor and then just the, the freaking adrenaline, I mean, just going up, I get adrenaline, you know, as much as down. It's uh, a different type though, hey? Like, it, I, I completely, completely understand what you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's not like a, it's not like a, like a, like just inject me, like give it to me now adrenaline. <laughs> right, it's, right. it's like a, like that rock climbing sustained adrenaline, you know, like with the, with, <laughs> yeah, not I'm, that I, I, I know anything about, you know, yeah. injecting myself with things, but, <laughs> but like, like for me, when I'm, when, when it's the tour up, I'm always in awe of the nature around me. And, and I love the, the, the silence. Yeah. The, yeah. the serenity, the silence. And then even better the friendships. Is, right. And then even yeah. better is when, when, um, Man, I remember one tour I did, which was it was going up a drainage, pretty much, you know, and uh, or it was really it was a little creek that was running down, and we were on uh, some pretty deep snowpack going over it. But every we would have to crisscross across it a couple times, and there were I loved I loved being deep in the forest like that with the white carpet everywhere, and then just every once in a while we just cross a little thinner spot and you could just hear the creek bubbling underneath, you know, or get a little bald spot where you could see the water flowing. Just that whole serenity of that. And then the slow serenity pace. now. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. It's like a rekindling of sorts, you know, it's like you get to like reorganize your thoughts, your, you know, your friendships with your part people you're going out there with, um, you know, you, you get this time to like, just figure out what's going on with their life too. You got this like, you know, couple hours where you just right neck and neck with each other back to back, you know, you can have these long conversations and you can slowly, you know, converse about whatever your objective may be. And, you know, right. one person has one idea, another person has another and your differences and, you know, whether... You know, it all depends, you know, the personalities you're with for sure, you know. Yeah, and then and then also the perspective that you get of the line that you want to run, like looking up at the aspect and then deciding what what yeah. has to take, what to what you know, what uh what shark pits that there are snake pits that there may be that you need to look out for type of thing. You yeah, know? is is it what you thought it was? From, right from below, kinda of like going back to like, you know, a big mountain competitive days, you look, you know, you you, you're like, is it, is it the what I think it is, or you know? Yeah. Okay, well, find out once we get up top. Then I get this other three D perspective now because I'm linking this other side view, you know, in pers- perspective that gives me more, um, you know, beta. You know. Now there was somebody that we that Chad and I talked to just recently. We we. Uh... We were exploring some stuff with this person, and and they brought up the issue of this, uh, or not the issue. I shouldn't say the issue. They brought something to light for us that I had never seen before, and it was this thing called fat maps. Are you familiar with it? Um, yes. So it's an app where a little bit. You, you can have it on your phone, and and or or you can even pull it up on the computer, and then you can look at 
tours. Like it's kind of like a strat. Is it Strava? Strava, right? Yes, that, right. That app that a lot of people use when they're in the backcountry, and people would actually mark out routes that they would go touring on. Which I thought was pretty right. badass because then you can look like, for example, I started looking up in our area. I'd never heard of Fat Mass before. So I was looking up in our area and, and I was pretty amazed to see some routes that were out there. And I'm like, sick, you know, like that's, that's awesome that that's there, you know, and that people can discover new stuff. And then if they want to, if they decide that they want to, they can map it out for other people to go and pound as well or just keep it secret. Um, right. you know, and do that kind of thing. So in some of your tours, have you gone to areas that were <laughs> common places to go tour and ride, but then while you were there, you maybe discovered some other stuff that, uh, that, that have become favorites for you? Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, we have a interesting, like the way this Valley, like, cause uh, these days, I mean, you know, I've gone on some trips where I'm, you know, in different areas that I'm not familiar with. And, and still to this day, there's tons of areas just in Crested Butte that, are, you know, you know, it is another, another ridge, another zone that you just, you didn't quite get to the year before or whatever. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, definitely that, that element, you know looking looking for new places um cool man hey, so when it when it comes to your tours in the backcountry um one of the things that we like to always talk about is just kind of bust through your gear a little bit and and what you're using when you go into the backcountry so uh i mean obviously we know the the, the board brand that you're riding um you know is a jones board right which board are right. you, which board do you like to ride um it varies. I mean, I, I tend to favor the, the powder kind of shaped boards. I mean, I, I started getting into, um, the solution this last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, you know, I have, uh, I have stuff. I had, I had some, uh, some, some back problems. I had to get back surgery and oh, actually shit. I, I actually lost, uh, muscle in my back leg from it because it was like a nerve damage situation so that was in the last like six seven years actually while i was you know with jones and stuff and um i uh because of that um my leg is just gets really my my back leg um which is my left leg gets really sore and tired a lot quicker so i tend to um prefer like uh hovercraft and like the um mind expander and the uh storm, storm chaser uh, uh split yeah. boards how, how is that because mind? of how that, that expander? Um, i mean i i love them all like they're all kind of unique in their own way especially going down in the pal they all have their own i mean <clears throat> uh jeremy's collaboration with chris christensen uh building those you know Besides the hovercraft, the the storm chaser and the um, mine mine expander, you know, he collaborated with Chris to uh, make those shapes. They all um, they're just, I mean, on the down, they're I got to say they're just some of the fastest boards and most nimble boards I've ever ridden. I mean, and this isn't even, you know, not just like 
chatting it up because yeah, <laughs> you're not just saying that. Yeah, you I mean, really mean yeah, it. That's what that's what everyone says. But no, I mean it. I mean it's they 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 are very very fast and nimble. But um, yeah, the way up, there you're sacrificing a little for sure, for sure in some aspects because they're uh, you know with the hovercraft at least has the camber, so that's nice for the way up. You right. get more bite. Um, the expander and the, uh, storm chaser, you know, they're flat based. So, um, you know, there's, it can be a little, you know, a little more slippery to get, you know, there's, there's some, some things that, you know, you kind of, you just kind of know it's just going to be a little bit more challenging, but I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, um, that noticeable to, I mean, you, you get, have the advantage though, without, uh, much tail that uh you know when you're when you're zing up you can you can just flip those things right around <laughs> yeah you know? oh yeah for your kick kick turns and whatnot yeah, yeah your yeah. kick turns cool cool um, man what's your uh what's your binding and boot of choice um i've been rocking um the sparks uh as of lately um i don't have any affiliation with them but um i like care cards too i just um I just find that um for me personally the the sparks just they're a little simpler for me um and um yeah they they work better for me especially like when you know you're getting uh some precipitation if you will you know you're you're out oh out yeah there things get a little icy and dicey they're easier to, for the transition part <laughs> I mean, I haven't really, and I, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't put one company, you know, under the bus versus another. I'm, I mean, I haven't actually tried the newer, um, Karakorums that supposedly have that a little more of a drop down system. I know they improved, um, proved that quite right. a bit. I've heard, you know, they drop on the lock better and there's, there's less of the, the ice issue. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, the tried and true puck system, you know, with Spark is, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's working for me right now. Yeah, I get it. So what about your boots? Uh, I'm just like, I just got like some Burton, I don't know what they're called. They're double boa, like, uh, mid flex. I don't know exactly what the, their name is, but, um. Yeah, I just rock those. I mean, I'd like to get like, uh, you know, something, spe- you know, the specialized like Burton, um, what are they called? The Tour- splitboard? Tourists. Tourists? They're stiff. Or, set. Are they? Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, uh, you know, I know Jeremy's got his, his new boots that look pretty sweet too, as far as like, you know, the 32s. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I heard I already lightened them up a bunch. From yeah, what I have to. There's also yeah, right. DC's got a boot out as well, and then Nitro's got two this year as well. There's lots of lots of new options happening out there. Yeah, absolutely. There are a ton of options, which is why we asked that question, right? Because uh, I know you can find splitboard specific boots, you know, that give you a little more tour ability, um, right? You know, stuff like that. But then. Then there's guys like myself who are just uh, rocking the same uh, the same boots in the backcountry that uh, that I wear at the resort. To be honest with you, right? Yeah, um, 
I mean, I started yeah. when I started splitboarding. I was splitboarding in a pair of Burton Ions, which were, yeah, you know, which yeah, I mean, did fine to be honest with you. I think I wore out the the liners, you know, in the heels just from all the touring. But uh, yeah, for sure, you get that you start getting that heel lift, and um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like you know, I'll I'll kick down the extra whatever, a couple hundred, to keep my feet. Because there's a lot of, you know, between the up and the down splitboarding, it's, those boots get worn, you know, quick. And you might as well be cozy, you know. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, instead, of, instead of letting them, you know, go go to crap, and it's, it's better just get another pair <laughs> that uh, are nice and, nice and comfy still, you know. So I noticed on your IG you've got a lot of point of view uh, GoPro stuff. Right, you do, you do a lot of that stuff right now. That's good. It's good that you're getting. A lot um, of yeah, that was just kind of like my, like I said, like my. Actually, the way I even got because I was like you know unsponsored for a number of years, and then getting responsored. I was close to my close to forty when I got responsored re with Jones, and um, actually a lot of it came about like. Uh, I mean, I had a connection with Jeremy, but like uh, dealing with the team guy uh, at the time, was, I had gotten this crazy offer off the internet. This uh, this guy that I knew from years before in Europe that um, uh, started this channel where they they wanted uh, they wanted like like athletes to see if they you know, put out these web series mm. kind of thing. And, um, Epic TV.com. Have you heard of it? Oh, it's like, it, yes. it started off in Europe. And then, so this guy just, I, I just, you know, I'd gotten a GoPro and I was just like effing around with it, you know, cause I just enjoyed the GoPro at the, t you know, those, those early GoPros. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a way to, uh, quick capture all elements this little thing of course it's like took off like it did you know and and it allowed me to kind of capture moments and then you know my creative side with the editing i really got kind of hooked on and um yeah it wasn't like i was linked into the other world where you can go you know get some kind of film get in some kind of movie project or any of that i, I was you know out of all that scene so this is kind of my way in. This guy offered me this web series if I wanted it. And he said, you just get a contract for like make six episodes for this web series and you're going to get paid. Like, you know, it was a decent little chunk each episode. Um, and that kind of coincided with the Jones thing. And I think they were psyched on that. And so, yeah, I made this little, um, web series. What was it called? Um, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> you go check it out. But um, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I got into doing that, and um, yeah, I've just made that's kind of most of my stuff. That as far as media stuff has gone, I've just done it, you know, do it yourself kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, like it's all good. Like I, when you know, my favorite one I pulled out was uh, taking a train. And visiting uh, Tahoe, and I linked up with Jeremy and Mike Bassich and nice. put together this little piece. That was 
That was fun. We need to give some support to Mike Bassett. He's going through some really rough times right now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's horrible, man. I yeah. I I you know, I put out a word to him and you know, he's getting texts and email oh. you know, people from everyone. So him losing all that is just horrible. That that's you know, we I was just in communications with him on through the Instagram to get him on the show, then all of a sudden, like within a week that happened, I'm like, Whoa, like let him deal with his life, right? Like, yeah, it's it's a lot going on in his world know, right now. He's got sure. his little bo- he's got his little boy that's like two now, I think. And yeah. That that fire all his whole world and yeah, I'm just wishing the best for him. Yeah, I mean, me too. You got the Rona going on. I mean this is yeah, just you know. <laughs> crazy. Well, put all that together. We're gonna give you our show sponsor, Pro Standard, Ken Ockenbach, is going to give you a grill mount for your mouth for your GoPro. Sweet. Yeah. So that's going to be happening. Um, again, the grill yeah, mount goes yeah. in your mouth. Two right. bite tabs. Actually, keeps your head's the best gimbal. So yeah, the totally. only thing we need to know is what color would you like? Would you like a black one or a white one? And uh, um, Mr. Ken will make sure it gets to you. <laughs> uh, I'll go for uh a black one actually does the white have anything on it besides white orange. it's got the the like, bite tabs are bright orange oh um i'll just go black just sure. i guess just he's working on a gold one because uh, we've had two ladies who've uh, requested Sweet. gold so <laughs> cool. oh yeah i like that I like that the bling the yeah, rapper bling. exactly right? so, you, so you got a gold grill you got a gold grill <laughs> yeah i mean i i've been i've been the mouth i'm an admitted mouth mounter um, I don't Teletubby it. Uh, yeah, for me, it's like you can just pop it out of your pocket, put it in, get the shot, put it back in your pocket. You know, especially if you're doing stuff inbounds in the resort. Like I Beautiful. just, it's already a crap show, and then just like, hey, what's that? Look, like, like I got with this stupid thing, you know. So it's a nice, it's <laughs> a can, nice way to just, yeah, you know, get it and quit it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you can take it surfing with you as well when you go surfing. So exactly right. Totally. Go. Thanks, Ken. Sweet. Right on, no doubt. So then, let's get into your backpack. Let's get, let's get into your backpack a little bit here. And um, what are some of the safety things you like to bring? We all, you know, obviously know that you know beacon shovel right. probe. Uh, what kind of food mm-hmm. do you like to bring? Snackage. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I have, I think I still have, and I had a little deal with this uh, company, Jones Bars. Um, they're out of the east, but they make uh, it's just, just all all nuts and berry, like just pure ingredients, like five ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rock those a lot instead of like a cliff bar. It's like my, you know, instead, uh, that's one of my go-tos, um, just quick energy. And then, you know, I mean, I'm not afraid to throw in a sandwich and, you know, other snacks for energy. Um, maybe if I can get, you know, fit a small enough thermos, I like to, bring some uh some tea um i think it's always a, a neat way like especially like with a group like when you have like a, a, a like a little break on your way to your objective or something you bust out the tea um you know now with rona this is a different world but you know before hey have some tea here you go you know <laughs> i don't know but uh, <laughs> um yeah that that's a nice and it's warm you know you get your, you you warm yourself up um uh after after touring up, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some some candy, but some, some you know, I, like... I try to keep. Oh yeah, I, I try to keep it keep it healthy, I guess. But yeah, I mean, so not packing a big, anything. 
not packing a big heavy lunch or anything, just noshing on some stuff, right? Just to kind of fight yeah, off like, the hanger and not. I'll so. I'll try to like if I can, I'll try to get a good power breakfast yeah. quickly before, what, you know. Hey, so what is a good power breakfast for you? Just curious. Like what what do you like to fuel with in the morning? I mean, you gotta go with some kind of egg, you know, situation. <laughs> so you know, um, or, or, so, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'm pretty into, um, sludge uh, smoothies too these days. I've kind of oh, gotten into yeah, that quite too. a bit. I've been doing that too. You know, just crushing all sorts of different ingredients into, into my magic bullet and, uh, you know, That's trying it hod- out, see how it tastes, you know. Just a hodgepodge you, of stuff. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the, like green mixes and, you know, I'll throw like kale and, you know, you got your bananas and berries and uh, uh, even uh, hemp seeds. That's, exactly That's really good. Hemp seed, chia um, seed, and flaxseed. Right. Yeah, yeah, all the seeds. And then I've been getting into this weird like uh, bio gut stuff because I'm, I'm working on fixing my body as I'm eating McDonald's french fries right now. <laughs> Cold, yeah. cold ones at that cold too. ones because I'm middle of the move I'm just my house is a disaster yeah, yeah I'm in that I, I was just telling Darren before the show I'm like yeah I feel so much better these days I've been having these shakes he looked at me going you just had McDonald's for breakfast I'm like yeah well yeah. we're moving I'm That's moving right. Right, I mean you'll burn it off I mean you know although Darren you know in your 50s it doesn't burn off quite as, as much as we want right hey what are you talking about man I'm a rock <laughs> rock fucking hard dad bot over here just, he, he just crushed a box of Tim Hortons hey hey yo 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 so uh, hey, I'm, 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 cre- I'm creeping right up on you I'm in my upper 40s so yeah it's, it's, it's there it's it's like I'm trying to you know I'm trying to do I've been trying to do sit ups the last like two months because I, I was just like watching my my body kind of go to crap. I was like, I got to try, at least try, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's, it's funny, man. I went through, uh, went through a little transition where waking up every morning was, uh, really creaky. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and stiff and hard, but, um, and I'm talking about my joints here, folks. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, okay. you know, like walking down the stairs, listening to my knees, make all sorts of noise in my ankles. And, um, uh, you know, right. I, I'll tell you that's, the I'll tell you the thing that's, that's gotten better familiar, for me. Familiar noises for me, right? Right. So the thing that's made that better for me is actually CBD. Right. So I'm doing yeah. a lot of like I, you know, I've got a pretty tight connection, and uh, um, I, yeah, I, I'm doing the the oil like the tinctures. Um, nice. Pretty much every night, you know, like yeah, uh, that seems to be the trend. I'm I think I'm about to jump on that trend here. My my wife keeps. Uh, shout out to my wife Sarah, but uh, she keeps um, she she keeps pushing me to get get on the CBD tincture stuff. Oh, it's so good, but, dude! It's and you know what? Like, okay, so I've got I've got several different bottles of the oil. Like, so I've got some that's just all CBD with no THC or extremely low amounts of THC in it, and then I got some mid range THC, and then I got some higher range THC <laughs> CBDs as well. Um, yeah. But uh, but it doesn't matter because I. You know what? I don't. I don't take it to get high. I just take it to get through the night. You know, helps me sleep really good. Hey, and, uh, whatever you got to do. I mean, everyone's different too with that stuff. I mean, yeah. You know, I've dabbled. You know, but I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm fairly. You know, I'm fairly. Uh, you know, my my body 
pretty much likes just even keeledness these right. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. far as like uh, you know, you know, whatever things go with uh, the uh, partying you know. side of things. There, there you go. That, that's <laughs> I, I, I'm I trying to. It's rough. Mornings, yeah, see, mornings when, don't feel the same as they used to. When you guys were, when you guys were in your uh, late teens, exploring, uh, you know, exploring snow and, and snowboarding. I didn't start snowboarding until I was in my 30s. So when I was yeah. in my late teens, I was I was exploring drugs. So did I. I'll right. be honest with I you. Both. I mean, I was I played with a You're lot of stupid exploring stuff. drugs and were you having babies already then or no 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 actually okay so i thought you were a listener gareth you would know this buddy but uh yeah no i didn't shame i didn't start snowboarding until i started becoming a dad i mean that's the what i was doing is i was waiting for my son to be born and we're in nelson bc and i'm like i'm gonna go up to the hill and i'm gonna learn to snowboard yeah and uh at the ripe old age of 32 that's that's commendable man thanks brother for sure I really, uh, I really took to it. I gotta say, like I, you know, I'd been a skier for, well, I started skiing when I was three, um, you know, in uh, in Ontario, and Canada, and uh, start yeah, started skiing when I was three and skied till I was probably twenty, and then just kind of shut it down till I was thirty two. Didn't didn't slide on snow again right. until I was thirty two, and then that's when I was just like, dude, I gotta go try this snowboarding thing, man, because it was just becoming a thing when I was a teenager mm. and skiing and I didn't see very many snowboards on the local hills. So yeah. So I threw down, I was like, yeah, I got to try this cause I will forever be a kid. Like I mentioned to you before, I'm 52 going on 22 really, or, or forever my wife, young, baby. my forever wife would young. tell you That's 52 right. going on 12 because I refuse to take any responsibility in life. But, uh, <laughs> I just, the- that's the dilemma, the, the the shred dilemma. Instead of the social dilemma, right. that's the shred the shred dilemma. Right. You know yeah. that there's a movie going around that everyone's watching. It's the social dilemma. Right. Right. Yeah. You heard of it? So I just discovered something really cool the other day that now I want to get into or try. So you ever heard of surf skates? So, uh, so skateboards. I don't believe I have. So there's unless it's a different word in the U.S. No, because uh, as far as I know, nobody's doing this in the U.S. Um, so there's a company, and I know we're a splitboarding podcast, and it's about the guests, but I just got I just <laughs> discovered these things the other day. So they're skateboards that skate like surfboards. So what they've done is that the front trucks actually pivot. Oh yeah, I've seen those. And it's fucking don't the, sick don't, don't as Don't the back shit. do as well? No, not the back. The back <laughs> stays stiff so, because the back, the back, we, the back trucks and wheels are supposed to act like your fins on your board, but the nose a, will is, dive and carve. This is a snow skate you're talking. No, this is a no. It's a skateboard. Oh, a skate. Yeah, okay. I thought you were saying snow skate because I was about talking about Elkins. Like, Elkins oh no, 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 no. Somebody's no, no, trying no. to one up you on the snow skate. Oh, He's no. got like a pivoting <laughs> ski. Whoa, no. high tech technology. Um, no, this no, is a I've skateboard. I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah, actually, actually, um, I've seen those back in when I was in San Diego. Maybe, maybe a little after, but. Um, I know what you're talking about. They like they pip so you can get that you can go up on a bank and really like just get a full like just like going up on a wave. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, looks cool. 
They look sick, man. They look really so. Now I want to get one. I want to throw down on one of those, man. There's a well. I, I hope you get you know that. Well, just get a pal surfer too in the winter. That's, well, that's yeah, <laughs> that's gonna happen too. Yeah, we were talking to Jeremy. I'm Jensen telling you, there. like not you know, bring back the pal surfing world. It's that's its own. Like you got to I, see. For me, it's all about like some people specialize on this. I'm gonna do this. I'm like I want to. I might not get insane at at this sport, but I'm going to like be proficient at this, this, you know, that's kind of why I love snow skating. I love pal surfing. I love split boarding. I love free ride boarding. I love freestyle snowboarding. You know what I mean? I, it's, it, it gives me every day, depending on the conditions. I'm not like bombed. I'm like, well, okay. I just, it's, it's a surfer mentality. Oh, it just changes the quiver. It's just, there's, you know, there's no waves today. All right. Grab the longboard. Exactly. Oh, there's swell. Grab the gun. So it's the same thing, you know, go on the mountain. I, I'm, I'm blessed to live about a six-minute walk to the chairless where I live on the mountain. Very blessed. Live in a one-bedroom, but I can't can't overstate how blessed I am to live, you know, that close to the skier if I want to, you know, use it for that. You know, if, if conditions aren't, you know, working out or, you know, I'm trying to take a chill from the backcountry, I always got – you know, my quiver of toys to take up on the mountain. And, nice. And, I, and it, it keeps me forever young, you know? Like, <laughs> yep. Gareth Van Dyke, always standing sideways. That's beautiful. <laughs> on that note, on that beautiful ending you just gave us, let's end this and have a great <laughs> right. night. Right. What are we talking? Oh, geez, 220. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to like save a, we got to save some good stuff for uh, for episode number two with you. <laughs> I hope I uh, hope people didn't fall asleep by now. You know. Oh no, you kept us on your on our toes. I'm sure I did. Jeez. I was loving the stories. So, so I'm good. sorry if I I'm sorry if I got too. Don't uh, be sorry, man. Talkative. Don't be sorry. There's I, nothing to be sorry about. We're I we're have all been here known to go off on tangents. That's, that's, and, 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 and I don't even need drugs to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Along that, you know, I'm sure Ken Ken Ackenbach can uh, probably relate to that. Right. right. He he is the king. <laughs> or or do you know who else I've, is uh, the the owner of LibTech? What's his name? Oh, Mike, Mike Olson. Uh, <laughs> Mike Olson. I've heard is that way too. I guess we'll find out someday soon. Oh, hopefully yeah. he'll give you a chat. Oh, that guy would be quite quite a good podcast, I bet. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Cool, man. Well, hey, dude, super glad to have you on. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah. yeah. No, awesome. thank, thank you guys. Thanks I, I appreciate it. Fine. I've, I've never really told my little life story, so... That could be half the reason why I'm like going from one tangent to another. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. Cool. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, and we will, uh, we'll be in touch soon. Cheers, guys. Hope you uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Will do. Peace, man. Thanks. Peace. Hey folks, thanks for listening and a special thanks to Gareth for taking the time to talk with us. Remember always that you can learn more about Gareth in the show notes. If you're loving the show, follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast and share it with all your backcountry friends. Next week, we'll be chatting with Triple D Dave Downing. While you're waiting for a recording with that legend, you may want to go back and have a listen to one of our earlier chats with Ken Achenbach, a legend in his own rights. Ken founded the world's first ever snowboard exclusive retail store and ultimately the world-renowned Camp of Champions. That is an epic listen for sure. Shout out to our show sponsor, Tahoe Lab Snowboards. 
They are riders who make rad split and solid boards for riders. Log on to TahoeLab.com and be sure to use the promo code DS15 at checkout and get your 15% discount off your next Quiver Killer. And if you're looking for new gear, check out our friends at s3boardshop.ca. They have a great selection of all you'll need for getting out into the backcountry. And be sure to use the code DS15 for your 15% discount on all online purchases. We'd love to give a special shout out to Monica and Pat for helping to make all of this happen. Peace.